Frankie Edgar defeated Munoz. If you disagree, come catch these puños. With the fire selections and the fire reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, a podcast for the above-average MMA fan hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. Let's get started. So there's a lot to talk about in regards to last night's card. Um, the What was it, UFC Vegas 7? It's hard to keep track of these damn numbers anymore. I mean, if we're just going to have, you know, numbered cards it's weak i just gotta say it's weak um speaking of that when i was noticing where i was having this conversation with my buddy goon um and we realized that for some reason i mean he brought it up and i just agreed um so all credit to him but um we're realizing that the cards that are you know quote-unquote weak on paper they always deliver and that was certainly the case last night and and I, I almost want to say it's one of the situations where, like normally fighters, you know, during fight week they they turn off social media or or stay away from for the most part, kind of just tune everything out. But it's almost like they hear the backlash from the fans, like oh this card ain't shit, and and they take it to heart, they take it personally, and they want to overcome it and uh, put on a show, or, or just the uh, the short notice nature of all these fights, uh, certainly contributing to the the violence. You know, there's also the um, short, uh, not short, well, I guess you could say short, but the small cage aspect. Um, but for for the most part, um, I thought every single fight was, was good. Uh, but I just want to talk about some main talking points from the night, some, some main stories to come out of last night. Uh, it seemed to be the night of comebacks. Uh, you had an opening fight, Trevin Jones taking on uh, Timur Valiev. And um, this is both their um, promotional debut. And uh, Trevin Jones is a late replacement. Timur Valiev was supposed to fight uh, a few weeks ago. I can't remember who, who his opponent was supposed to be. I can picture the guys. The, the, the name is on the tip of my tongue. Um, but that fell through. And so he was moved to this card. And uh, his opponent fell out. And in walks Trevor Giles, or not Trevor Giles, Trevor Jones, Trevor Jones, and man, Trevor Jones, they, they both came out swinging. Timor hit him with a with a body shot right in the liver, and he just crumpled. And it was so close to stopping the fight, but he recovered, and the round ended. Great. Second round starts, and Trevor Jones is on a mission, drops Timor Valiev. And starts going to town. And Chris Tony stops the fight. Now this was kind of a weird stoppage. Uh, in my opinion. And it wasn't necessarily like. If you, if you followed my, any of my tweets. And then you've uh, listened to the show for any amount of time. I hate I hate on Chris Tyone. The ref for this fight. Um, I don't think he's, he's made any call. That's made me go. Wow that's a good ref. But he's made a few that made me question. His abilities as a ref. Um, I just speaking candidly, I'm a bit of a hater, but I'm an honest hater. Uh, but this is a weird stoppage and I don't necessarily fault him. It was just a weird timing of it. So, uh, 
once it looks like uh, Timor's out and taking too much damage on the ground via some ground and pound from Trevin Jones, uh, he tries to separate them. Trevin Jones is like not stopping, and Timor sort of in that moment sort of recovers and starts to wrestle. Uh, Trevin goes for like a body lock, and that's when he kind of had to pull him off. But it's like, like you kind of feel like if he was able to do that, should it have been stopped? But then again, if Trevin Jones had just uh, pull, got himself off when Chris tried to stop it, I would have had no problem. I wouldn't be having this conversation. So it was just a bit of a weird stoppage, but hell of a comeback from Trevin Jones. And another comeback, same ref, uh, was the Daniel Rodriguez versus uh, Dwight Grant fight. Now, we'll, we'll get to why that fight came together in a little bit. But th this was basically on 24 hours notice for both guys. Uh, probably less than 24 hours, but a day's notice. Dwight Grant comes out. I think he drops Daniel. Uh, he definitely rocked him. Something happened where Daniel turtled up on the ground, and he was just wailing on him. Dwight Grant was wailing on Daniel Rodriguez, and I almost was like calling for the fight to be stopped. I didn't think he was in too much damage, but he also wasn't really moving. Uh, and then eventually he did. Uh, but I was like, I, I guess you know the ref saw what I didn't see. You know that's where you kind of have to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to the ref in that situation, even if the ref is Chris Tyone and has made tons of terrible decisions. Uh, but I was like, okay, sure. Um, then Daniel Rodriguez recovers and gets up. And it's, it was almost like a uh, Pat Berry, Chet Congo situation where Pat Berry had Chet Congo dead like three times. And then Chet Congo recovers, plants, throws a haymaker and knocks Pat Berry out cold. And then Dan Murray got to stop the fight right away. I was like, uh, okay, so what does it act like this man didn't die three times? You're not going to give the other guy a shot? I don't know. It seemed weird to me that... Um, he would let Daniel Rodriguez take uh, a bunch of punishment and he was covering up and give him a chance to recover and not give uh, Dwight Grant that same chance. Now, I'm not like outraged about it. I'm not crying about it. Dwight Grant was out. Like that was a clean-ass knockout versus just getting dropped. It wasn't like a flash knockdown. He dropped, like my man slumped against the cage. Um, and then there was, a, I, think, I think, a few follow-up shots that... Um, were, were landed before Chris ultimately stepped in, but it was a pretty sick knockout. It just was, it's always weird to me when there's a huge momentum shift and you don't let it play out. Like when, they, when another guy is on the brink of getting finished, makes a comeback and all of a sudden unloads on the other guy, why are you not giving him the same respect? I, someone, someone make it make sense. You know what I'm saying? Someone make it make sense. Cause uh, it didn't make sense to me, but uh, all credit to, to, D-Rod, possibly the douchiest name in uh, all of the UFC. Uh, certainly not all of them. I mean, when there's douchier names we could come up with in terms of nicknames. But uh, I, I like this guy a lot, Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, so I'm not going to fault him too much for having the douchey nickname. Um, and then another comeback of sorts was Shanna Dobson. Now, um, this wasn't just a comeback from... In terms of in the fight, it was sort of a comeback from expectations, from, from you know having some not that good performances, and uh, you know just sort of being written off. I guess you know she kept saying underdog. I mean that was like, listen, I gotta say, if you're uh, if anyone on her team is listening, tell her to stop yelling underdog. She literally sounded like the cartoon, like underdog. I was like, stop it now, but you know. Uh, great, great performance. Sharon Upson has never really wowed me. Um, I like her story. Uh, I liked her on The Ultimate Fighter. 
I like that uh, she let Roxy get one over on her in the beginning. Not let, I should say. Roxy earned that. I'm just saying, um, you know, everyone was saying that she had dangerous boxing. And then Roxy comes in and gets the TKO. And I was like, yeah, what's up? But anyways, um, Maria Agapova just came on Blitz, Shanna Dobson, similar to what she did to Hannah Cyphers. And they got into a grappling exchange. And honestly, Maria Agapova was like, I'm going to finish her here, basically, and just was, like, unloading all of her gas tank to try and get that finish, and Shannon Dobson was defending well. And then we get into the second round. Maria Agapova's, like, fucking super exhausted. Um, they get into another scramble, and then Shannon Dobson slides into mount and starts unloading and got the, got the stoppage there. Maria Agapova apparently had to get stretchered out due to exhaustion like she could she couldn't move uh someone, someone uh pointed out they said that's two hype trains that got stretched out within a week's time i was like Ooh. that's uh that's really funny but uh stop hitting on hype trains sometimes they're, sometimes they're good they keep this sport alive hype trains keep this sport alive but yeah i, I thought that was interesting how we had um a bunch of different comebacks when i say comeback from expectations i kind of i was I'm referencing my um previous podcast a little bit i did a show called mixed martial opinions which a few of you have actually listened to i don't know why but you have um and uh i the whole premise of that show is me trying to convince my buddy who's not an mma fan to be an mma fan and i did an episode on comebacks i had him watch paper chicago i had him watch uh, claudio pues versus uh eric silva uh magomed Ankalaya versus paul paul craig there were just a few like special fights that I wanted him to watch and he thought um, Pat Berry versus Chet Congo was like a comeback from expectations because um, the whole commentary during the walkout were basically saying how Chet Congo was like a monster and that Pat Berry was just like there and Pat Berry was wailing on him in the beginning <laughs> but that, that's what this kind of reminded me of she was like underdog underdog ooh, ooh. we're like calm down Jessica I calm down underdog <laughs> I just can't that might be the name of this uh, episode. Underdog. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Um, something else that really excited me. This isn't necessarily a story. Um, but I, I think it is a talking point of sorts. I want to talk about Jordan Wright making his promotional debut. Uh, I love this guy. He... Came in at 200 pounds for a 205-pound fight. Obviously, he's a middleweight, unfortunately. Uh, I say unfortunately because... like. Look at what he did to a guy that just a few months ago fought at heavyweight, you know, so technically going up two weight classes, even though they met in the middle of 205. Um, I don't know if Ike is a, a career 205-er. I don't know. Um, I mean, he certainly didn't look out of place at heavyweight, but that, that is the case for most 205-ers going up. And, uh, yeah, he hit him with like a spinning wheel kick, almost uh, got the finish at that point. He definitely rocked him and uh, eventually got the got the tie clinch and started landing those knees, cut open one of his eyebrows for that and um, f from that rather from the knees. And uh, eventually the uh, the ref, I want to say it was Jason Herzog. Anyway, uh, a good ref. Um, man, I hate Chris Tione. Um Called in a doctor and the doctor was like, nah, nah, this fight's fucking over. Uh, the gash was just was just terrible. Uh, it looked like from what people were sharing, it looked like his fuck 
fucking brain was exposed. I was like, nope, not for me, dude. Not for me, dude. Sports for you, dude? No, not for me, dude. <laughs> the brain, not for me. And I love, this is this is why I stand this guy right now, Jordan Wright. I was saying being hyperbolic when I say stand, but um, his nickname is Beverly Hills Ninja, which is a Chris Farley reference. If you haven't seen that movie, go see that movie. I mean, what are you doing? That fucking movie's amazing. Um, <laughs> and anyone who says otherwise can direct their comments to the fucking uh, trash bin. <laughs> Miss me with that shit. No, um, that was last episode. We're past that. But this fight had a few fights that were scrapped, and it kind of, I won't say annoys me, but this is what I want to talk about. So first I'll, I'll lay them out. Um, Takashi Sato was scheduled to fight Daniel Rodriguez. Um, Takashi made weight but was not medically cleared. Not sure why at this point. Um, if you're listening to this later in the week, maybe it's come out. Um, but as of now, I haven't found, found anything. Um, he just wasn't medically cleared. Uh, maybe it was a bad weight cut, something like that. Not sure. Um, similarly, Dwight Grant was scheduled to fight, uh, initially I think Callan Bourne and then Jared Gooden. Cal, or maybe maybe reverse that. I'm not sure. One, one of them pulled out because of injury and then the, the other one... Um, I think made weight, but then pulled out because of family reasons or something like that, or, or some undisclosed personal reason. I think it was a per personal reason. I, I always jump to family when it says personal reasons, but um, some undisclosed. So, so that that left two welterweights without a dance partner, and they both agreed to fight each other. So Dwight Grant and Daniel Rodriguez um, stepped in to fight each other. Thank God, because that was a hell of a fight. Like I said, I think we were robbed of a bit of a, well, could have been a war uh, if they had given Dwight Grant a chance to recover. But... Uh, you know, who knows? And another fight that was scrapped was OSP versus Alonzo Menafield. And this was not um, not good news for me because I really wanted to see this fight. Not only that, um, it kind of brought up a larger issue, in my opinion, with these uh, quarantine fights. These, these uh, not quarantine, but you know what I mean? The, the pandemic fights, uh, Corona cards, whatever we're calling them. Someone called them Corona cards. I think that was pretty brilliant. Might have been Fikey. But, um... You have uh, a, a bunch of athletes who are supposed to be quarantined and you have a procedure in place, but those rules are constantly changing and they're constantly being bent. So like if you don't have a plan and stick to it, you might as well not have a fucking plan at all. Like OSP apparently battled COVID before signing to, uh, signing to fight Alonzo Menafield and beat it. Uh, apparently, but because of that, he had a uh, history of it. I, I think he's more susceptible. Not sure how that goes. As a matter of fact, in my, in my mind, I think you would have more antibodies and, and things like that. But um, for, 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 for the USC's concern, uh, it was it was a it was a red flag. And uh, not only that, he had a few different positive and negative tests during the week. I'm not sure if like they were false positives or whatever. But initially, it was enough to pull him off the card. And I'm thinking, like, if you had even one, like, why was, why did we wait till, like, the 11th hour? Like, they both made weight. Um, so, like, why why did we have to wait that much to, to find out whether or not he was going to fight? Like, why keep the fans in, in waiting, you know? 
And the problem with this is too, like they're still operating under um, normal protocol when it comes to fight cancellations, which is to scramble and try and find a last minute replacement from from a local guy. Uh, and that leads to more fucking positive tests. Like you can't tell me, I, I guess OSP's cornermen were all clear. They're all negative. So that was uh, at least a positive sign, but they wanted to be extra, extra careful. Which, I don't know if you want to be extra careful, maybe he, he would have been scrapped sooner. I don't know. Uh, it, it's just mind-boggling to me uh, that they keep bringing in these labor placements um, on, on cards that are, are during a pandemic. Like, they're already short notice enough. To me, this is just baffling. But another big story that came out of this fight, obviously, was the main event. Um, this is Frankie Edgar's bantamweight debut. And uh, for years, Frankie Edgar has been fighting bigger guys than him. And it, it just seems like he's been resisting the weight cut culture. And that's part of why we love Frankie so much is that he was he, he wants to show people out there that technique can overcome size. And uh, I think that's very admirable. Um, he even mentioned at one point, uh, like specifically his kids, like he wanted to show them that they could be bigger, bigger guys, etc. And so he originally fought in the UFC at 155 and um, after Dana White begged him um, he moved down to 145 to challenge Jose Aldo and then it seemed like he was more uh, that, that was a better fit for him size wise but I think as the years have gone by and weight cut culture has, has become more prevalent in MMA featherweights have gotten fucking bigger like dude like every featherweight fight i'm like are these lightweights or featherweights i really don't know it's basically like if they're a little skinnier if they're a little more lean i i assume featherweight that's really what it takes like uh like shane burgos and josh emmett when they were fighting i was like god damn don't these look like a couple of fucking lightweights and josh emmett fought at lightweight when he first got in the ufc so that kind of proves my point a little bit uh, but frankie was fighting those guys like he was fighting those guys and uh, eventually, I think people were clamoring for him to move to Bantamweight. He finally did. Uh, I should never have taken that zombie fight. Like, that was just a mistake, dude. If you guys don't remember, he was supposed to make his Bantamweight debut against Corey Sanhagen in January of this year. It's in the Raleigh, North Carolina card. I think that was January. It was January 25th. And a um, few weeks earlier, or about a month earlier, I should say. Well, no, like a few months because... Um, it was before the fight. Brian Ortega pulled out of the Korean zombie fight, which is supposed to headline um, UFC Busan in South Korea. And uh, the UFC called up Frank Yeager. He's like, I'll fight it. Like, bro, you're supposed to be fighting at Bantamweight. Like, you were tailoring your body to, to, to go to a lighter weight class, and you're you're going now to fight uh, someone who's a natural featherweight? It just didn't make sense. And Korean zombie fucking, even if you win, like, brutalizes people. Like, And this is what I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you guys remember, the whole time they maintained that, oh yeah, Frankie will still fight Corey Sanhagen no matter what happens. Like, bro, come on. Stop. You think he was going to come out of that Korean zombie fight unscathed? It's disrespectful. Um, but he finally made his Bantamweight debut. He was supposed to fight Pedro Munoz a few weeks ago on one of the Fight Island cards. Probably is months ago by now. Because uh, we're fucking teetering toward the end of August. Um... And, and that fight was scrapped because of, uh, I think it was because of a positive COVID test again. But we finally had this fight and man, Frankie looked good. I got to say, like, I was wondering how he would look. He looked great on the scale. 
that was awesome. And but then he looked perfectly sized for Bantamweight. I never thought he was particularly small for Featherweight until the last like year or two. Like when he fought Max, Max just looked like they looked like they were in two different weight classes. I was like, Jesus, this is not good. So I've been wanting this Bantamweight move for a, for a long time, even though I always respected that he didn't cut weight. It's just everyone else is cutting fucking weight, so he's just got to, I don't know, keep up. And uh, he essentially was the same size as Pedro Munoz. Like, Can you imagine? Uh, this is why I think Frank Yeager deserves so much credit. Can you imagine any of the other Bantamweights fighting a lightweight right now? Or even featherweight? Frankie just did that. Yes, it's been years since he was a lightweight, but some of the guys he fought are still a lightweight, even at what fucking welterweight. Like Frankie Edgar fought Benson Henderson, who fights at welterweight every now and then. Like, it's crazy. And he was just just recently fighting in featherweight. Can you imagine, even as much as I love Aljo, Aljo, in my opinion, is a really big bantamweight. I can't imagine him fighting at featherweight. I can't imagine it. Can you imagine Munoz fighting at featherweight or lightweight? It would get fucking brutalized. So Frankie comes in and uh, they scrapped, man. It was a hell of a scrap. Hell of a scrap. Um, there are those of you that um, that think Munoz won the fight. And I said in my intro, if you scored it for Pedro Munoz, you can come catch these puños, which is Spanish for fists. And I did that because it rhymed. As not necessarily choice words, but uh, I don't know. In my opinion, that was too close to uh, to cry robbery. In my opinion, I think a lot of Pedro's forward pressure was given too much weight from the judges and from uh, the majority of MMA Twitter who thought Munoz won the fight. Listen, it's effective striking, effective grappling, aggression... And octagon control in that order. Striking is the most important. Grappling is the second most important. Um, and then if those things are equal, then it's aggression and octagon control. Frankie landed more strikes. He was more effective in the grappling, in my opinion. I mean, he took Munoz down a couple times. Um, we know with the UFC stats, they don't always score those as takedowns. Uh, in my opinion, they were takedowns. Uh, I mean, Pedro's got right back up. So, you know, and, and I know when, when you're talking about the grappling, if you don't do anything with the takedown, uh, it's not supposed to be weighted, but I think he still had the better of, of the striking exchanges, uh, for the most part. Now, I think when, when when it comes to the grappling, if you land a takedown and the guy pops right back up, I don't think the um, the guy who got the takedown should should be faulted for that, just because like you tr- would have done something with it. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to score for like you know coulda woulda shoulda. I guess, but it is what it is. Fuck it, Frankie won. I don't give a fuck. I'm biased, and that's fine, dude. I was listening to uh, Well Actually podcast uh, the other day. I did like a whole um, binge, basically, deep dive. I started listening to, um, well, actually, uh, around episode 11. Uh, that was, It was an episode where she gave her thoughts on the Nick Diaz interview that uh, Nick Diaz did with Ariel Hawani. And um, I needed to like make sense of it. 
and I, I wanted to get so many people's takes. I was tired of like everyone on MMA Twitter sharing old Nick Diaz interviews, trying to claim it was like the same person. And like Caposa had this whole fucking thread. I was like, oh boy. Uh, and there was all the like Nate Diaz fans and Nick Diaz fans on the timeline giving their own theories. And I was just like, I need to hear from people whose opinions I trust, quite frankly. And uh, Fernanda gave just uh, a really, really good uh, analysis on it, in my opinion, um, without going too hard in it, but just kind of actually raised questions more so than answered questions. And that got me thinking and I was able to arrive at some of my own conclusions. And uh, from then I, I became a fan. I, I listened to every, uh, every episode after that. And the other day I was like, I really need that um, her perspective back in my life. So I listened to episode 11 and my podcast app plays uh, uh, episodes backwards so it started playing uh it started playing them backwards and I realized that I never listened to those episodes I was like I need to do this um and it was much needed so uh, I guess I'm I'm plugging that oh I wanted to this is why I brought it up <laughs> I mean I'm all about uh, shameless plugs for for my homies but um she talked about bias and she talked about how people in her profession are um, encouraged to ignore their bias or hide their bias, or or if they do show their bias, they're they get uh, pushback, they get negative feedback from the fans. She made the case that everyone has bias, and I was like, I was listening, going like, I fucking agree. Fernanda has a way of taking something that's like a vague concept in my mind that I can't put words to, and just vocalizing it in a way that I just go took the words right out of my mouth literally because I was trying to find a way to say that and she found a way to say it uh can't uh can't express how much I, I missed that show it really um was a was a positive beacon in my my life but uh anyways that's it guys like Frankie Edgar won and uh if you're sad about that I I I don't uh know how to help you like imagine being mad at Frankie Edgar dude the guy is a fucking legend of the sport and and i know that legends i mean that that term is thrown around far too often and it just means someone has been fighting a long time in his, in, some, in some cases but in, in frankie's case i believe it's it's earned uh it's justified and i also think his accomplishments speak to that and if you see him in the store i mean i haven't uh witnessed this personally but uh I say this as a representative of New Jersey from MMA Twitter. Um, he's he's kind of part of my area, not that far from where I live. And uh, his coach is a customer of my job. And the manager say he's super, super nice, like Mark Henry is. And uh, everyone that I know, like, oh, yeah, my, my kid wrestles with Frankie. He's so cool. And all this stuff. Like, he apparently is just so down to earth and a hometown guy. I remember a couple years ago, it came out that he saved this girl's life at the beach. Like, she was drowning. Like, how do you fucking hate on that? Like, what is wrong with you? Well, I'm going to start sounding like a lunatic if I go further. So I'm just going to cap it there. Let's take a quick break and uh, and then we'll come back to news. Okay, we're back. Now, before I start the news segment, um, starting it on a bit of a somber note, um, literally just moments ago, uh, as I was wrapping up the uh, first segment, 
we got the news that one of my wife's family members passed away um, from essentially from COVID. Uh, there was other stuff involved as well. But wear a fucking mask. Which is actually going to segue neatly into one of the talking points. I had it uh, in order. I was going to talk about it later, but this is a perfect time to talk about this. Marion Renault and Eddie Alvarez are canceled, basically. Not really. I, we talk about cancel culture on this podcast a little bit, and I, I'd say that sometimes we go too far, but sometimes it's not necessary. I don't mean they're literally canceled. But come on. Uh, anti-maskers, zero fucking patience for that dude. And not only anti-maskers, like the Murray Renault one is bad. Like Eddie Alvarez made a tweet, and if this is all accessible on their tw- on their um, uh, for, on their Twitter account, Twitter pages. What am I? It sounds so old. On on the Bird app, on the Twitter thing. Um, but you you can go to their Twitter and find find this stuff. Marion's is a little bit. Uh, you have to go to tweet some replies. It was a reply to Bisping's tweet. But for fuck's sake, like Eddie Alvarez made a thing about uh, kind of wanted to raise a conversation about whether or not um, we should wear masks. But then he's been posting pictures with his family all wearing masks. So at least he's compliant. I guess he just doesn't want to and, and wants to, I don't know, fucking fight the stigma. Like, bro, it's such a minor inconvenience and not, not even really. Dude, I like wearing a mask. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to lie. Maybe it's because I got the FWM mask now. Um, I used to wear an N95. And um, even though... Like, those have more protection, so I, I should feel safer. I actually kind of raised my anxiety a little bit because it was so, like, much more than everyone else was doing. And I was like, uh, there's, like, two straps. That one's actually, like, more comfortable than most masks that people wear. Um, but I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Now that I have the FWM mask, uh, I feel like I'm flexing on everybody. Like, hey, this is my fucking brand, bitch. Um, and so I like wearing it. I like it. Um, also hides my fucking ugly face. So there's that. Like, this is why I don't, like, all the faceless accounts on Twitter, like, I don't know why they don't, um, post a picture of them in a mask. Like, you, if you don't want to show your face, you don't have to now because everyone's wearing masks. Uh, that was a tangent that probably shouldn't be in there. Um, but, uh, I give you guys the raw me. I don't edit this shit, usually. I mean, I definitely, I definitely edited that Turbo Team episode, let's be real. Um, I said some very wild stuff about Matt Riddle that needed to be edited out, and only four people uh, know what I said. Um, and uh, someone in the team said something a little bit problematic, which we had to take on. That's fine. Like you got, you got to stick up for your boys. But anyway, dude, Eddie Alvarez, anti-masker. Marion Renault, anti-maxer. Uh, <laughs> I'm just confusing anti-vaxer and anti-masker. Anti-maxer. <laughs> for fuck's sake. She doesn't wear a mask or or is a proponent of not doing it. Bisping had a video of a woman uh, putting up signs that said, like, don't be a sheep or whatever the fuck she said. I mean, I'm probably not doing it justice by paraphrasing it because it's maybe going to say something that wasn't actually. But the video is fucking bad. Like, go to Bisping's page, watch the video. Um, she's yelling at people for wearing masks. She's violently, like, when I say violently, not like being physical, but like with her voice, like being very vehemently angry about um, like wearing a mask and like being a sheep and all this other bullshit. And 
the person who's filming the video, she's like getting up in their face and he's like, get, get, stay back. You're not wearing a mask. Stay back. Um, and she keeps yelling at him and saying like, oh, you fucking sheep or whatever. And then at one point I think he says, um, go back to your country. All this fucking like nasty racist bullshit. And Marion Renault comments, I see nothing wrong with this. Oh, come on, dude. Come on. And people got legitimately and rightfully upset at her. Like, this is a woman who is an educator. Like, it's okay if, I mean, it's not okay, but if she's just a fighter who has that feeling, it's like, okay. Not only that, Mary Renault's a gym owner. Like, do people didn't, uh, people forgot to bring that up. So she's assumingly not enforcing the mask rule at any workouts she holds at her gym, I guess. Like, fuck that, dude. Hey, man. Uh, Marion Renault did an amazing interview with one of my good buddies, Combat Sports to Rhino. I, I I was already a big fan of hers, and I was even more. She was so nice and humble and just like awesome, being like, Yeah, I'm 40, still fighting. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I fucking love Marion Renault. Reading that tweet, I was horrified. I was like, No, dude. That ain't it, Chief. Stop. Very much on the on the anti Marion and Eddie train right now. And Eddie Alvarez was the first fighter I was ever a fan of, dude. Hey, bully beatdown got me into MMA. For better or for worse, that's my story. And Eddie Alvarez was the first one on there. I might have been the first one I watched. It definitely was the first one that was on there twice that I was watching. And the first time where I ever was like blown away. He fought this fucking blown up like bodybuilder guy. And if and now I know that that sort of stuff can like hinder you in a fight, but at the time I was like, oh man, this guy might actually fucking beat the fighter. He just beat him with leg kicks, and literally didn't throw a punch once. I was like, fuck that guy. Eddie Alvarez is the shit. He's the best of all time. And I became a huge fan of him. And now, uh, I just can't, Eddie. I just can't. Um, I hope you uh, get a rematch. With uh, Timofey Nastyukin or whoever the fuck beat you in one championship. And he uh, beats you even worse. How about that? How about that? But uh, I meant to say uh, start this segment on a positive note uh, with some good news. Which is to say that I am now a part of Threadhead Media. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Threadhead Media team. If you don't know what Threadhead Media is... Go give them a follow right now. Just search Threadhead Media. If you don't know how to spell Threadhead Media, look it up. I I don't know how to say that. But um, definitely follow Threadhead Media. It's our boy Rory uh, at Rory Rex, but it's spelled Roar like Rar. Um, it's funny. He, he was actually on um, <laughs> Ray's Omo Plot of Soup once. I believe he was the first guest and I was the second. Um, at the end, he was plugging his handle. He was like, it's Rory Rex. I'm not going to tell you how to spell it. You'll never find it. Just search Rory. There's not much of us or not many of us. I was like, dude, respect. Uh, but, uh, been a, been, a, been a big fan of Rory for a while. Um, if you remember my, um, end of the year episode last year, um, I shouted him out as being the, um, you know, up and coming journalist of, of the year of 2019, he got a very real Fighting With Myself award uh, that is very um, 
I want to say symbolic, but there's no actual physical award that I give anyone. But it's a very real award. Um, I love what they're doing over there. I feel I already feel very invested in Threadhead Media because um, the TKO podcast that's over there. I helped them create the name, and I, I helped create the name for Rory's interview show, which is called No Off Season. Um, so yeah, love what they're doing. And uh, if you didn't already know. They have our girl, uh, Wholesome MMA, uh, formerly MMA Astrology, at Harry Nothrotita. I think I'm saying that right. It's a Greek word for sloth. Um, she's doing uh, MMA predictions based on astrology, which is so fucking cool. Like, I've talked about this before, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more when because uh, she sh- sent in a voice question. But, dude, like... It's just cool. It doesn't matter. It's It's unique. It's different. No one else is fucking doing it. Like... Anyone hating on it, miss me with that. Like, just fucking enjoy it. It's cool as shit. And, like, some of y'all doing research for days upon days uh, on your picks on based on, like, stats and, and watching tape and still get it wrong. So, even if she doesn't get it perfectly, neither do any of you. So, just enjoy it. And uh, she takes a shot every time she gets a pick wrong, which is admirable as fuck, anyway. And uh, her drug face is hilarious, dude. So, anyway, I love Threadhead Media. What I'm going to say is, um, nothing about the show is changing, uh, other than uh, the forum is going to be a little bit more enhanced. Um, supposedly, uh, Roy and I are going to still work out the kinks uh, for that. But uh, I'm just going to be part of their network, man. It's just all about, uh, you know, growing and and, and partnership. And so uh, it'll still be available on the platforms it already is. You don't have to change where you listen to the show or anything. Nothing about it is different. Um, It's just basically a collaboration of sorts. So I'm super excited. Yay me and yay us. I don't know. Uh, The last little piece of news. Well, actually, there's another one that's a little bit sort of uh, off the rails, but um, as far as um, UFC stuff, uh, John Jones vacated the light heavyweight belt, and they've uh, they've announced uh, Jan Bojovic versus Dominic Reyes are um, are fighting for the vacant strap. Now, a couple things. So when John first tweeted this out, there, well, there was a series of tweets. I mean, my man needed to have his phone taken away from him. He was like, "Oh, any light heavyweight." that can beat my record or no not even beat his record he said any light heavyweight that gets to six title defenses i will donate a hundred thousand dollars to the charity of their choice it's like bro stop fucking putting that shit as a fucking carrot and if you're gonna want to donate to charity fucking donate to charity piece of shit uh anyway had so many tweets about it and uh it sounded like a retirement tweet because he had talked about maybe walking away if they were never going to pay him to go up to heavyweight this is like months ago um, and, uh, at first I was like, I thought it was very admirable. I thought it was cool that he was actually standing his ground on this and, um, more fighters need to do it. And obviously, you know, he's in a position where he can, and not like every fighter can, like a lot, UFC definitely takes advantage of the fighters that can't say no. And that's never going to change. Um, that's like the fucking government, <laughs> you know, like the jobs that no one wants to do are, are taken by the people that can't do anything else. So like. That's the fucking like, the UFC is gonna give a paycheck to someone who's like three and zero to fill a spot that no one else will fill because someone pulled out because they 
couldn't agree on money. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. I'm definitely over paraphrasing, but uh, that's kind of how it works. But I remember um, GSP talking uh, on Air Hawani show about unions. And he was saying, you know, it's not enough uh, for, for just a few of us to do it. All of the big stars have to do it until they're out of stars. And then they start having to, you know, c- come to an agreement. Like, he was saying at that time, he was like, Anderson Silva, Conor McGregor, we have to all uh, not to, not fight uh, anybody until they come up with the with the money or, or whatever he was saying. Um, I've done better GSP imitations. That wasn't my best. But I remember some news that came out a few weeks ago that made me think that MMA fighters really fucking missed a huge opportunity here and why we need goddamn collective bargaining. I mentioned that uh, deep dive on, well, actually, the, the binge. Not really deep dive. Um, but she had an interview with Leslie Smith, who you guys may remember was uh, spearheading, Project Spearhead, but don't um, to to you know collectively bargain within the UFC, and uh, they mentioned all all the different uh, parameters, and anyway, it was it was a really good interview. Just uh, just look it up, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. I can't uh, formulate the words right now to explain why that's relevant, but it is. Um, and so I thought John Jones was was willing to do that. Um, oh, the uh, NCAA is what I was going to talk about. The NCAA, the college uh, sports teams. In years past, and, and this is going back like decades, um, college athletes were not paid. And they generate like so much revenue for uh, different networks and, and for the schools, etc., they collectively bargained for like sponsorships and paychecks and fucking healthcare and shit like that. I was like, damn, like UFC fighters were just like, yeah, I want to work now. Please pay me whatever you're willing to like, oh my God, it makes me so angry. They could have gotten so much more. Um, Cause like, I give a fuck about college sports and yes, they should be paid. They should have been paid this whole time, but come on. It actually makes me think that uh, generation of, of athletes that's currently competing in college sports, if any of them decides to go to MMA, they're either going to have a rude awakening or they're going to bring that same mindset and it's going to shake things up, which I'm cautiously optimistic for the latter. But uh, I thought John might have been stepping away. Uh, I feel definitely like hoodwinked in that regard because I was even like responding to people's tweets about him going to heavyweight. I was like, you really think he's going to heavyweight? I think he's retiring. Um, I feel so stupid, like really felt like a mark. Um, and then, cause then part of that Twitter rampage, like that same day of just like tweet after tweet after tweet, probably most of them are deleted by now. Probably not actually, maybe a few of them though. Um, he then said, Oh, I had just had a positive talk with the UFC about my next fight at heavyweight. Things are looking up or whatever. And I was like, God damn it, John. And then when that happened, um, People brought up an old tweet of mine, which <laughs> they actually brought up a different one, which made me think of this one. I couldn't, I didn't even have to reference that, uh, but I did the, the looking at myself a year ago today. Today, as of as of right now, it is Sunday, August twenty third, two thousand twenty. 
August 23rd, 2019, exactly a year ago, I tweeted out, I said, if John Jones signs to fight Stipe Miocic, uh, I will shave off my hair. Now, at that time, I had luxurious golden locks, uh, Jesus hair, if you want to call it that. I have since cut those for a play that got canceled due to coronavirus. Fuck the universe. Um, and so, yeah, that's, um, that's sort of where I'm at with it. Oh, I meant to say it was, it was more of a thing. I was so fucking confident. And then when that news dropped, like, uh, a week ago, I was like, Oh shit, man. We have a week for, for them to figure things out. And they did not. So I am safe. I don't want to hear none of y'all bringing up the fucking old tweet now. Um, John Jones is not fighting Stipe. Even if he does, I put a year on it. That's I I, I may have uh, neglected to mention that earlier. Um, in that tweet, uh, some, someone said, do we have a timeline? And I was like, oh yeah, I should put a timeline. One year. One year, that's my timeline. So a year ago is when I tweeted it, and now I'm fucking safe. So fuck you, John Jones. You ain't getting my hair. And that is where we're at with it. So apparently Dana has said um, Nganu is going to get the shot at Stipe first uh, and that John Jones will face the winner of that and that it's guaranteed. There's a few questions in the forum um, about uh, this and so I won't give away too much, but uh, my boy Yugi had an interesting thread about John Jones and um, obviously John uh, Yugi is a super John Jones. Literally, if you listen to his podcast, uh, which you definitely should, obviously it's iPoke MMA. Or, or maybe it's just called the iPod Podcast. I think that's accurate. Um, I sent him a question, and I said that he's probably the biggest John Jones fan on the planet. I mean, literally ranked. And uh, I think that holds true. But he had an interesting thread about John Jones' bias, or bias against John Jones, rather, bias from the fans. And uh, I agree with some of it. Some of it's a little bit, uh, you know, situational. It doesn't apply to everybody. And I think, you know, it's okay to be okay with one and not the other. Like, that's what I like about being an MMA fan. But that's a... I digress. That's a different topic for a different day. But uh, people are wanting him to, to take uh, what you might call a tune-up fight or something like that. No. This is where the threat comes into play. Name one champion from any weight class that went to a different weight class and didn't get an immediate title shot. Chirp. Chirp. No. Champions fight champions. That's it. Um, so I, I, I agree with that. He should get the shot. I'm glad that they're doing the Nganu fight first because A, it gives us a chance for Jones and Nganu, uh, at least at some point, if not immediately, even though I do favor Stipe in the Nganu rematch. Um, what's it called? Even so, John Jones versus Stipe is awesome, and it just it gives the division time to, to play out. So I'm here for it. So here for it. Although I remain skeptical. I remain skeptical that uh, this is going to happen. John Jones has honeydicked us for years about going to heavyweight. Fuck that. So I would love to see it, but I'm going to wait. Because I was also thinking about this when I talked about it last week. Like he's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because outside of the like top five, maybe it's a bunch of fucking dinosaurs and like fat dudes. And I say that as a fat dude, by the way, that is not fat shaming. Um, I unfollow anyone that body shames and that it's on fucking everything. Uh, so if you recently got unfollowed and you're wondering why, probably because you said some dumb shit, um, or you supported a troll that was given a job in MM media, which 
why uh are, how are we ever going to get fucking respect from the mainstream world if we give trolls jobs in my media like what the fuck anyway also another topic for another day but lastly i want to talk about fight circus dude the most MMA thing of all time. Shout out to Full Metal Dojo and Cam Soda for this beautiful collaboration. Um, I love freak show fights. I can't get around it. I fucking love it. Um, going back to like the old Pride days, anytime there's like a matchup that's like considered a freak show thing, I'm all in. I'm all in. Dude, it goes, it kind of goes around like the original UFC, the fucking the heart of MMA. You know, when you had. The Savat guy versus the fucking sumo wrestler. Uh, the boxer versus the jiu-jitsu guy. Like, it's a, these are, they're putting on freak show fights. They they put on a bunch of fights. Uh, Full Metal Dojo is a promotion out of Thailand, apparently. Cam Soda, if uh, those of you who don't know, have a storied history in MMA, which is just to say they did one um, fight card um, a few years ago. I think it was in 2018 called Cam Soda Legends. And it, it was weird as fuck. Cam Soda is like a, um, basically it's a porn site, but it's, it's not like any porn. Um, it is like for cam models, like live, you're live streaming, like cam models that are just like doing solo work. I think, uh, I mean, maybe there's some partnering work. I mean, we're sex positive over here at the FWM podcast. So anything, um, that any of those performers are doing, we support, but, um, I just have never been on there cause it's not for me. Um, but uh, they decided a couple years ago that they wanted to get into MMA, and they put on a card that had um, Alex. I wish I could fucking remember his last his last name. Um, Elias Hidari used to call him the fake Spartan because he was claiming that he was a Spartan when Elias was the first one in the UFC and supposed to be the only one. Um, but uh, the fucking announcer was like, "It's fucking bullshit that you're not in the UFC," even though he was in the UFC and got cut for fucking kicking Sam Alvey in the dick a bunch of times and never winning any fights. Um, and uh, Charles Felony Bennett was uh, on that card. And it was just a good time. Like, you could tip, similar to, I guess, I, I would assume how their, um, <laughs> their normal business operates. Uh, you can tip the performers. And so fighters were getting tipped, like, midstream, and they would, it would cause, like, random shout-outs on the PA system. Like put them in a body bag or whatever. Like I guess I, like if you could tip and and say a message and then the announcers would say it on the broadcast or whatever. Like wild shit. And so they they put on this fight card. They expressed interest in getting like doing another uh, event, but they never kind of found um, I guess more talent or maybe it was a funding issue. I'm not sure. But they partnered up with Full Metal Dojo to put on these fights last night. And I only saw some highlights, but bro, I'm fucking into it. There's these two um, male strawweights. Um, taking on this middleweight, like two on one, but it's straw weights uh, against the middleweight. Fucking wild, dude. Fucking wild. Apparently, there's a, there's also like a female who's like a trained, you know, experienced grappler. Um, I, I don't make a habit of saying female. I was just trying to like say the gender. Just kind of, tr I'm, I'm trying to make sense of this whole fight. There's a there was a woman grappler um, who fought a male who is unexperienced, and so there's they were trying to prove. Something about technique versus strength. I don't know, but I fucking I'm into it. Um, it's a little bit cringy, not gonna lie. Some of some of the stuff, like it definitely sets us back a little bit. But at least they're setting themselves apart from everybody, and they are definitely 
um, not trying to like compete with UFC or trying to be anything other than like their own brand. And I'm into it. I I, uh, I want to commentate it. I fucking love that shit. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up this new segment. So now we're going to transition into yours and my favorite segment of the show, what most of you come here for. And don't lie, because I checked the analytics. The fucking forum. Yes, dude, I can't fucking wait for this forum. Uh, first up, we got a question from the homie Jim Asun. was sent earlier in the week. Uh, based on another question he sent, and I, I think he may have forgotten that he sent this one in, which is pretty funny to me. But uh, this is kind of about last week's card. It was like a, kind of a late submission, but I'll always include it the next week if it's something I want to talk about. So take it away, Jim. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Juice and all you juice heads. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, Juice, my question for you this week is, what do you think is next for DC? Uh, I know you probably already talked about this a lot, but you know, do you really think he's going to do a TV career, or is he going to want to go out on a win? You know, once you let this loss die, yes, and everything. Might not be a title play, but at least go out on a win. I don't know. That's my question for you this week, buddy. It is what it is, kids. You know it's always 420. This is a great question, and I'm always happy to answer it. And, you know, DC is a competitor at heart. Uh, He's been wrestling his whole life uh, and then transitioned into fighting. He has been competing for the majority of the time he's been alive. And I think a lot of fighters romanticize the idea of going out on a win, going out on top. But MMA is a cruel mistress, man. We don't get happy endings in this sport. It's, it is so rare. And I think what we have to do is, is focus on all the good that we got from DC. And not only what we need to do, what he needs to do. Um, focus on all the good moments. You gave us one of the greatest trilogies in heavyweight MMA history. Uh, regardless of you, you know, were one and two against it. Um, I I don't think that uh, tarnishes your legacy in any way, you know. Of course, I'm speaking to DC, but um, no, for for a guy who was on top as long as he was, the guy was champion in some sort since I believe 2015 when he beat Rumble, and then of course you know he lost uh, the belt to John Jones when he returned, but then it was overturned. And he was given back the belt, had to fight Vulcan, then he won the heavyweight belt, and then he was taken away. He's been in title fights. For the past five years. There's no reason for him to fight. uh, A random heavyweight. Or even a random light heavyweight. God no. Don't want to see um, DC cut to to 205 ever again. Um, It's funny. Whenever he first jumped up to heavyweight. um, Chael Sonnen had predicted that he would never go down to 205. Chael Sonnen sometimes has these wild predictions. And I feel like we never call him on it. Because sometimes they do come true. This one did come true. So... I was going to mention that even though he one time on a podcast compared Greg Hardy to Lyoto Machida. And yes, he did that. And that's why I, I stopped listening to Chill because fuck that, dude. Fuck that. Also, he had uh, Donald Trump Jr. on to talk about his book. Fuck that as well. Doubly fuck that, as, as a matter of fact. Um, 
So yeah, but as 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 far as DC's next fight, it, it shouldn't happen. That's it. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. To me, there's there's nothing they can do to throw more money at them. The only thing I would entertain now that I'm talking myself through this, but I would actually more want to see it in WWE is the Brock Lesnar fight that uh, we were kind of promised. Uh, I think they should give him that fight. Uh, it feels like. I mean, I don't keep up with WWE as much as I used to, but it feels like they're kind of running out of ideas uh, for Brock. Um, and he's sort of, you know, having to put the new talent over. Why not give him DC? Like, ah, oh, that would just be so, so much fun to do with the WWE. They have that promo they can play. They can do a cross-promotion with the UFC. They can even do a mixed rules, like co-promotion, uh, like a, a wrestling match. Brock doesn't like to get hit. That's fine. Do a wrestling match. Do a fucking amateur wrestling match. I want both of them in singlets and the fucking headgear. No, not headgear. But uh, I want both of them in singlets and uh, in the octagon as well. Or, or, or the WWE ring. Or a fucking neither. And it's like a, a, a big ass mat with like fire around it. Just kidding. Sort of. But yeah. Uh, that's all I want to see for DC. Only because I really wanted to see that Brock Lesnar fight. Like, I wanted him to beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar. Um, especially when, uh, when fucking Brock Lesnar, uh, beat up Mark Hunt on drugs, on steroids. And, I shouldn't say on drugs, on performance enhancing drugs, on steroids. And then, was like, shout out to the boys in blue. From one white boy to all races. Uh, I was so botched, like, that fucking interview. Uh, like broke kayfabe to like shout out the police, <laughs> Brock Lesnar. Um, but uh, fucking a, that's all I want to see for DC. Thank you, Jim. Juice, juice. I don't even have a lot of intelligent shit to say, but I watched all the fights. I swear to God, I did, but. All I gotta say about this is I love Frankie Edgar and I always will. What a performance. I don't. I'm just shocked. He looked so good at Bantamweight. As it's been stated before, he should have probably been down there years ago, but I don't care. I'm glad he's there. Making it making it look good. That chin's still there. Everybody said it wasn't, but it is. The pace, the pressure, it's all going to cause a lot of problems in that bantamweight division. Let's just say now, Sandhagen, Edgar next. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Hell yeah, dude. Shout out to my homie, typo my photo. Go give him a follow. He actually made a bet with this troll about uh, uh, the Jones, not the Jones, the, the DC Stipe fight. Um... If uh, if DC lost, he would have to delete his account, and he did. Uh, I, I can't believe that. Um, but I'm glad he's back, um, and um, I'm glad that it's kind of like a fresh restart. I've actually been wanting to do that myself, but um, too many people would probably be like upset or whatever. But um, it's at type on my photo. Go give him a follow. Um, love this guy, and he right now like that's me personified. He was just like Frankie Edgar, yeah. Probably a little drunk. I love it. I love everything about it. Um, Edgar versus Sanhagen, man. Look, that was the fight 
to, to for him to make his debut. And at the time, he was coming off a loss in a title fight. And it is weird. Like, when someone... You don't want to go too far down the ranks. So, like, Sanhagen was basically on the cusp of a title shot. And uh, if he would have beat Frankie, he would have gotten it. And then they put him in the number one contender fight with Aljo, which he lost. So, it kind of feels right. But at the same time, like... I don't know, man. Like, I'd be worried for Frankie. He did look good. He did look very good. But Sanhagen is big. Like, Sanhagen could be a featherweight. So it isn't like solving the problem of Frankie fighting bigger guys. You know what I mean? Um, that's the only thing there. But, dude, I, I love it. I love everything about it. Hey, it's Pamela from MMA Astrology or uh, Wholesome MMA Now. <laughs> I guess. Doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> So, my question to you is, after seeing Dobson win over Agapova, which was definitely an upset, uh, you know, that's Shevchenko's weight class. We don't really have any big contenders in either of men in his weight class. What can we do to kind of pique more interest in the women's divisions that will help us end up with having more women to sign? Because there's been a lot of talk about getting rid of featherweight and adding atom weight, which I don't know why it has to be one or the other. I don't know why we can't just keep featherweight and add atom weight. Um, but what, what can we do to help improve that? Because I feel like if there's more interest in the sport, then we would have more people who would practice it, become great at it. And you know what I mean? Anyways, I think, I think you get my question. Whatever. Bye. Yes. Yes, I do. And, you know, here's the thing. As far as, just to quickly address, um, talking about women's atom weight versus uh, women's featherweight, I don't know that that's actually on the table as far as the UFC is concerned. I think people are talking about it. The, the people that want atom weight in the UFC, and I, and I count myself among them for, to a certain extent, but this, I think some of the people that are um, sort of campaigning for it are saying, like, you know, maybe get rid of women's featherweight. First of all, not a good move because... Right now we have Amanda Nunes and we can promote her as a double champ, even if there's literally only two other girls in the division that are like have, you know, active contracts with the UFC. Um, which is to say, like, I don't know if they kept Norma Dumont or Farah Zairn, I want to say her name is, that uh, Megan submitted and Felicia beat the shout out. Um, yeah. I don't... Um, I don't know the status of, of that whole division. But either way, even if it was just one other person, keep it. Because Amanda's the champion of that division. And we can have her as a double champ. And it doesn't matter who she's beating up. Because <laughs> we get to see the GOAT do work. Which, uh, I'm, not thinking, I'm not doing too many fight announcements in the new segment lately. But we just got announced that uh, Megan is going to fight Amanda Nunes. And uh, we're getting a sacrifice to the violent god. So, thank you for that. Um, Dana, thank you for that. Actually, Dana probably didn't have uh, a lot to do with that making that fight. It was probably Big Maynard or Sean Shelby. But anyway, as far as uh, adding in atom weight, even if you get rid of featherweight, uh, which again, not a viable option, it's sort of a business thing. Like, I don't know that they have enough, uh, like, cards to justify adding a division right now. Um, I do think they should add the 165 pound division. Reason being is you kind of combine 155 and 170 um, i've talked about this numerous occasions i wrote a goddamn blog about it when i was still doing those which actually and this is a good time to talk about it because 
because uh, Pamela's also on the uh, Threadhead Media team. The other thing I'm doing for Threadhead Media and uh, I, I what I'm going to do is uh, movie reviews, which I think is awesome. Uh, one of the things that Rory is like big on is, is adding in other aspects of pop culture and just other things in general when we talk about MMA. So um, I, I love it. Um, I'm going to be uh, doing that get to get to use my goddamn degree of a degree in acting. So um, I know a lot about movies. I actually was thinking about adding a segment. Uh, Yugi, I'm a big fan of his podcast, does an entertainment section uh, segment. And uh, I was thinking about doing like, like talking about musicals. And uh, I feel like some of you would hate that, but I would put it right at the end so you could skip it and it'd be fine. Um, but just to add that little bit of culture, because I think it's much needed in our space. Uh, but as far as, yeah, as far as Adam Waite goes, I, I don't know that there's enough um, of a talent pool to, to, to create a bunch of stars. I mean, they did sign Jin Yu Frey. Um, it's not that there's not enough Adam Waits out there. They, there definitely are. I mean, Michelle Waterson was the Adam Waite champion. Jessica Penny was the Adam Waite champion, both in Invicta. Like that shit is relevant. However, um, I think I was more speaking to, uh, like the well first of all the depth of the division like you could have a few like top uh like the top five would be like legit um but uh as far as um the rest of the division it would be probably pretty shallow and it wouldn't spark a lot of interest um and i do think that it's it's a matter of like filling the right cards like some of these cards right now even with what we have they feel like filler events and filler cards like some some slots in the card are just like you know debutantes that no one be heard of or whatever which i mean you can make the case that um those deserve to be adam weights just as much as it does like welter weights or lightweights or whatever i mean that's totally fine um i'm not a fan of either to be honest so um not going to disagree with you there but um I think just just to answer your larger question about what we can do to peak uh, interest in women's MMA, um, I'm a big like analytics guy when it comes to like my content and things like that, and I always want to know like who is listening and and where they're listening and you know etc. Um, Spotify is the only platform that does this, and I think it's because you have to create an account. And that's the only way they can do that. Uh, the other ones you don't. So just the data just isn't really there. Unless they get it from the uh, your phone provider, which would be fucking well. I mean, data sharing exists, but um, with Spotify, um, I can pull the analytics by gender, and so I I know that my listeners, at least, so Spotify actually makes up twenty two percent of my my whole listener base. Maybe it's more by now. It's twenty five, but it's the second largest of the platforms, and so of that twenty two percent, eighty two percent is male. And so because it's, it represents the second largest sort of grouping of the different uh, platforms, I can pretty much uh, surmise that that's probably the case uh, across the board. So I'm kind of using this generally, and it's uh, not a complete data set, but uh, I think it definitely applies for this argument. Uh, 82% male, 11% female, and the rest of it is like um, unanswered or non-binary, which I love that I have non-binary fans. Um, so when you market something, it doesn't make sense to market it to 11%. And again, these are my numbers, but I think it kind of translates to MMA at large. Um, however, I think something they could do, and there's no reason not to, in my opinion, do an all-female card. Why not? Um, 
there are plenty of all there have there have been plenty of all, all male cards in UFC history, and some of them stunk like shit. So why not take a chance on an all female card? Uh, right now, there's no sports going on. I mean, a lot of sports are back, but even still, people aren't leaving the house. They need entertainment, and what better way to get that entertainment than fucking uh, women's MMA, dude? Put that Megan Anderson title fight uh, on as the main event. Comain Valentina versus uh, Jennifer Maia. You have maybe Zhang Weili too. Um, I'm sorry, Zhang Weili Yoana too on there, or um, Zhang Weili versus Rose. Hey, I'm all for that. Sign me up for that shit. Put fucking uh, I don't know, Claudia Gadelia. On the undercard, put uh, the other Shevchenko, Antonina Shevchenko on there. Put Roxy on there. Put, uh, you know, the list goes on. Meatball, Molly, McCann. Put her in there. Bro, we can have an amazing all-women's card. Think about it. Think about it. Juicy baby, it's your homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. Uh, last night, dude, was a crazy night for underdogs. Uh, there was a lot of fights where people who, you know, seemingly had no business winning absolutely won. <laughs> so, at least according to the betting odds, um, definitely my favorite one would have been Tevin Jones versus Timur Valiev. I thought that, uh, you know, he was done being in the first round when he took that huge. Uh, kick right to the breadbasket and kind of crumpled. Valiev looked like he was on his way to victory. And then, man, Tevin Jones, what a performance by him in the second to put him down and put him out. That To me, that was the biggest upset, and that was the most surprising uh, fight for me last night. What about you? What was your biggest takeaway as far as the upsets go? Love you. Love the show, buddy. Talk to you later. Hell yeah, dude. So... In my opinion, the the Trevin Jones versus Timur Valiev was kind of an upset. I mean, it was. It definitely was. But in terms of um, just overall, like, surprising comebacks, um, I'm going to go with Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. Like I said, that was like shades of Pat Berry, Chet Congo. I mean, he was just getting wailed on. Like, the Timur Valiev one, Trevin Jones, like you said, uh, and I mentioned it in my intro as well, he got dropped with the body shot and was sort of on the brink of getting finished, but definitely recovering and definitely not something where I was calling for a stoppage. Um, he was definitely probably saved by the bell. But the, the the Daniel Rodriguez one, I was like, come on, like why are they letting him take all these unanswered shots? He was like turtling up. Um, so so that was pretty ridiculous in that regard. But also the, the Maria Agapova, Shanna Dobson one was pretty insane as well. Uh, for, for her to reference, like the other ones didn't reference that they were uh, underdogs. Um or at least they, they weren't bothered by it outwardly. Shanna was like, underdog! Where's Dana? Where's Dana? Underdog! And as far as, like, my personal, like, belief, like, when I was thinking about Dan- uh, Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant, I was like, oh, shit, this is a coin flip. And I, I would say in many ways, like, what transpired is sort of proof of that. Um, and the Trevin Jones, Timur Valiev, we didn't know, I think, enough about either guy to really know. Um, but I mean, Timur Valiev came with a fair amount of hype, but Trevor Jones was relatively unknown. Um, shouts to Guam. 
I think there have been other fighters from Guam in the UFC, but he's the only one I can think of at the moment. So it'd be cool if he's the first one, but I don't think he is. Uh, and then, yeah, no, no, the, the Shannon Dobson one, like her record going to that fight was three and four. I think someone tweeted out that their boyfriend had a quote. They were like, how can you have the name Dangerous or Danger when you're three and four? <laughs> and Kairos retreated. It was like danger of being cut. Uh, but then she definitely pulled that victory because it was part. It was part of like the like what I remember of Shannon Dobson's performances. Like I remember um, Sabina Mazo just doing work against Shannon Dobson, um, and then Maria Agapova just did work against Hannah Cyphers. And I was like, oh man, this is a Maria Agapova. Um, like come, this is going to be another com- coming out party, and uh, we'll get to 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 that in a little bit. Kind of why I jinxed that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Shannon Dobson did not get the memo. She was motivated by those betting odds. And I like, I have a different perspective on betting odds than, than most people because my uh, my dad was a professional sports handicapper. We lived in Vegas uh, from the time when I was four until the time I was 17. Uh, so a large chunk of my life was in Vegas. And uh, I don't, uh, t- I feel like I'm more like a California guy and now uh, New Jersey. So I don't talk about it often, but I definitely like whenever I find someone from Vegas, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. And I still talk to some people from um, from my high school that are like cool-ish, sort of. Um, no, shouts to, shouts to anyone I still keep up with. You know who you are. Uh, yeah, so when it comes to betting odds, I have a different perspective than most people. Like it, it's just – it's first of all, it's, it's math and it's based on statistics, so – you're kind of in control of your own odds. Like, yes, the odds makers can make whatever line. And it's also motivated by where the money is going. So, like, yeah, it's based on your past performances. So, what, like, don't be mad at fucking odds makers who have never fought in their life calling you an underdog. Like, if you, hey, draw motivation from wherever you want to draw motivation from and you need it, you know? But uh, cool it with the underdog shit. I'm so, I'm going so hard on Shannon Dobson for no reason. Sorry, G. You know I love you. <laughs> Juice. What's up, brother? It's Pete. Alright. Was I the only one staring at the TV wondering what the hell Maria Agapova was doing with her arms there? Did you enjoy that? And is that why she lost? She was already worn out by the time the bell rang. God damn, I love Pete Bagels, dude. First off, I love whenever stuff is playing in the background on these questions. Because uh, I don't know that song, but it sounds so familiar. Like, it's on the tip of my tongue. I don't know what that song is. And then whenever um, whenever uh, Type of My Photo sends in a question, it's always got the post-fight show in the background. I can hear Karen Bryant. I love it. Um, more of that. You know, Pete, uh, first of all, oh, I forgot to say, like, what dialect is that there when you're, like, doing with a Hans? Uh, so, uh, confusing. No, um, I gotta be honest with you. Like, people were saying, like, she had shitty striking. And maybe I just don't know what I'm watching, but I never saw anything where I was like, oh, that's dumb. Um, as far as that goes, I mean, um, Shannon obviously got a few good shots in, but I think most of it was in the grappling exchanges and she just tired herself out. That's, to me, the story of that fight. But I definitely was, like, watching it expecting Maria to win and not seeing that. I got to say, like, 
that w- that was also what I was watching. Like I remember tweeting out, uh, I was like, "How is Shannon Dobson doing better than Hannah Cyphers?" Like Hannah Cyphers is, has got a winning record, <laughs> um, and a record sometimes like you can pad your record or whatever, but that doesn't really happen in MMA. So I was just like, "Why, dude?" But uh, shout out to P Bagels. What's going on? You watch fucking casuals. Juice, all you juice heads. We're always doing well. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about this fucking thing, Juice. Fucking did it again, eh? I'm bad for you guys doing this thing on Sundays because Sundays usually a rough day for me after a fight night. I usually get so fucked up, I can't even remember what the fuck day it is, let alone fucking remember what question I'm gonna ask. So, all that being said, what's next for Pedro Munoz? That fight was fucking damn close. I wouldn't have had a problem if he got the fucking win. Now, I picked Frankie because I'm a big Frankie fucking fan, but what's next for Pedro? That's my question for you this week, Juice. Hope this makes it in time. If not, we'll hit it up again next week. It is what it is, kids. And you know it's always 420 here. Peace. I love everything about this. I love that he talks about it being, like, fucked up and couldn't remember. It's funny because you... um Obviously, we're like so fucked up you couldn't remember that you did actually submit a question earlier in the week. But uh, much love to you, Jim. Um, you know, what's next for Pedro Munoz? I would like to see him fight maybe like a Jimmy Rivera um, or Cody Stamen. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, like that division is so deep. Like you could do anything with it. Like I saw someone tweet, they were like Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz. That's the fight, and like I would love to see that. Like if they make that, actually, now I'm thinking about it, then I would love Munoz versus Sanhagen because that's a really fun fight. Um, yeah, no, the more I think about, it, I think that's that's it. Not uh, not Edgar versus Sanhagen. That that that's not it, Chief. Um, that's uh, a little bit too. I'd be I'd be too worried because that long reach, that long reach, and Corey can wrestle too. And we have one more voice question, and that is from the cat, the fish, the legend, MMA Catfish. Just pulling it up. I'm stalling, as you can tell. Um, Oh, here we go. Hey, juicy baby. It's MMA Catfish. Great main event. But not going to go into that because I figure that's what everybody's going to call about. I was talking with MMA Breck and OSP. Man, what do we do with that guy? When I think he's going to lose and bet on him, he wins. Fucker. When I think he's going to win and bet on him, he loses. Fucker. And tonight, he couldn't even show up because of COVID. Ugh, fucker. Can we just, I don't know, like, I I guess this is a hot take, I don't know, I'm not trying to be a hater, but can we just fucking cut that guy already? God damn it, where is this aggression coming from? First of all, MMA Breck is such an interesting guy, because he's smarter than most people on MMA Twitter, uh, but then he'll like tweet at me and be like, no, nah, I don't listen to your show, you should have me on though, I'm like, uh no uh but uh, osp dude first of all cool it with the cut osp train because man uh 
he always shows up. I always love watching OSP fight. And for God's sake, don't fault the fighter if you lose money. Like, bro, you chose to put your money down, you degenerate. I'm just kidding. Uh, much love. But that just goes for anyone gambling. Like, don't fucking be mad at someone for winning or losing if you put money uh, on a fight. Like, that's your... That's why it's called gambling. It's a gamble. Um, no, let's not cut OSP. And especially COVID. Like, that is the most out-of-your-control thing. Uh, I mean, there are measures we can take to prevent it. But obviously, um, fighting puts you in... Like, training and things like that puts you in more of a susceptible position. Especially weight-cutting, dude. Um, that's the whole problem with these events too. Yeah, I just I don't know what that, that, that is such a wild take, bro. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to the thread. Uh, they always do. MMA Catfish always does a thread uh, about the show, uh, which I like. I, w- I wish more of you guys did that. I love whenever people tweet about the podcast. Uh, like it's just so I don't know. It's just my favorite thing. It's like so good for my, my mental health. Like I'm just like boom, and like people think I'm a narcissist. It's like. Wouldn't I want to hear good things? Like, that's not a quality of only narcissists. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Go follow MMA Catfish, even though he wants to cut OSP like a lunatic. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes the audio portion of the forum. Um, you can always send in uh, a voice question at any time uh, by downloading the Anchor app. Search Fighting With Myself and click Message. Record a message that is up to a minute long. Send it and I will play it on the show. It could be about anything. Um, and uh, I mean mostly prefer, preferably a question. Um, I used to get people would just send me like random imp- impressions. And I've played a few of them. But some of them were wild, dude. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, or you can do what um, Seth does, what MMA Catfish does, which is to record it on your own and email it to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. You can also email if you just if like if you're not on Twitter and you just want to email a question and, and not have it be audio, you could fucking email me the question, write a dissertation. I'll read every single word of it. Um because you know what? The three hour podcasts are back, baby. Even if I always say that and it ends up being just over two hours, I'm going with it. Because when I stop doing the three hour podcast, it would go to like an hour forty five. So even if it's above two that in my mind is trending towards three-hour podcasts and we're fucking we're there you know in the history of the show there's i think there's only been one or two episodes that were actually over three hours um the rest of them were like 250 you know what i mean kind of up there um but people always say your show is three hours long it kind of is but kind of not (laughs) um yeah, you can all you can always send it there you can dm me a question which i I have a few that i'm going to read next um so yeah, let me uh, let me read those. Um, this first one is from the homie Mark Tattersall at I'm gonna probably pronounce this wrong. Flavum Tatty five minutes. F L A V U M T A T T Y. Would love to know the origin of that. Flavum Tatty. Okay, um, um, he says hello, mate. Would love to get your view on fighters missing weight. Do you think the punishments are severe enough? Do you think the UFC do enough to deter it? Do you think more could be done to help ensure it doesn't happen or at least greatly uh, reduced? Uh, You know, to be honest with you, I think about this a lot and I I feel like I talk about it a lot, but I will keep talking about it until I'm blue in the face. Um, First of all, the weight cutting aspect of MMA is one of my least favorites. I feel like it's dangerous. Um, 
medical conditions happen because of it. We're so close to like deaths happening because of it. And I feel like that's what we're waiting for. Like why wait for a death to happen if you can prevent it by doing other things in place? Uh, the California State Athletic Commission is doing uh, – a fair amount. They had a 10-point program to help eliminate weight cutting. Um, they added the 165-pound division, even though very few, if any, five promotions have actually taken advantage of it. Um, it is a weight class that the CSAC recognizes. Um, I think they need to do more. They need to do more weight checks and hydration tests. One one championship seems to have it on lock with the with the hydration weight cuts, um, even though some people have have it have it figured out. Um, which is like weird. Like I don't know if they they know when the hydration checks are, and they just stay hydrated then, so they can keep cutting more weight. Um, but I think you have to weigh in hydrated too. Like it's all it's 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 kind of weird. Um, so yeah, there's that, and um, I definitely think the punishments could be could be more severe because right now um, the. First of all, it's inconsistent. So when you miss, when a fighter misses weight, um, the fight is sort of on the opponent to what to whether or not they want to accept that fight, and they have to have conditions. And it, then you then become like, like it's a whole negotiation. Like when Darren Till missed weight uh, against Wonder Boy, they negotiated obviously a percentage of his purse, but then they also said like on fight day he has to weigh. I don't know if it was like the same weight that he weighed in at or if it was like within uh, a certain amount of weight. I think he had to weigh 178, but I can't remember how they came up with that number. But that like it was like four hours before the fight, they had to weigh him and he had to weigh that much. So, and, and I don't know if any other fight has done that. So that brings to my point is that it's inconsistent. The other thing is like it's the percentage of the purse they get is, is not always the same. Like, I think it's whether or not they want to give it up. But either, either way, it's fucking, they don't get paid the same. So if you make more than your opponent, you could fucking miss weight and be like, yeah, I'll give them some of my purse. That's fine. I'm still going to make more. <laughs> like, super disrespectful. But it, as far as I'm concerned, missing weight is fucking cheating. Like, as as far as like USADA does to like clean up the sport, why don't they get involved in weight cutting? Uh, you know, fucking not saying people should be given like 10 months suspensions for fucking missing weight, but like, why are we rewarding cheaters? Like, yes, they're ineligible for, uh, performance bonuses and, uh, they have to give up a percentage of their purse, but that's it. And you know, the, the performance bonuses are so political. They might not have even gotten one anyway. So that's not even uh, a, a whole a thing, you know? So no, I don't think the UFC does enough to deter it because A, they could be adding more weight classes. I mentioned 165. Um, they they should add more women's weight classes like the aforementioned 105. Um, there's, there's so much that could be done that they're not doing. And I don't have all the answers, so um, I don't come with you with like a 10-point plan like CSAC did. Um, but I do think there are organizations uh, that we can take and learn from like 1FC one championship with the hydration weight cuts um, or what uh, what uh, I think the NCAA wrestling uh, did in like the late 90s apparently they had like three wrestlers die from weight cutting so they changed the rules I think they made weight weigh in same day they were like within an hour or something and everyone like had to move up a weight class like up 10 pounds so if they did that um, I think you would stop weight cutting in its tracks you can't cut weight right before a fight. 
I mean, you could like, but the, what would be the point? I don't know. That that's what I think they should do. That's to be honest with you. I'd be I would be a fan of same day weigh-ins. I really would because I'm 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 also like done with the pageantry. The early weigh-ins are kind of fun because it's like they're all just sort of weighing in. Everyone's a little tired, and you get like some of the um whichever media outlet you watch on it they have like sort of like golf style commentary of it it's really funny sometimes when they bring out the hoop it's like ooh you know the hoop but like come on i don't know definitely definitely a fan of more things done to prevent weight cutting than less cuz there's not enough um this next question so thank you mark uh this next question is from john noble at js noble 16 um, he says, when John Jones goes to heavyweight, I think Curtis Blades should welcome him and leave Francis to get the fight with Stipe. What do you think? You know what, John? Um, I get the sentiment, and I definitely think Francis should get the Stipe fight. So so that's, I, I, from all reports I'm reading, I think that's already kind of in place, or at least they're in talks for that. That's the plan. But in terms of John fighting Curtis, Curtis should fight Derek Lewis. He already called him out. He kind of the, the, the I th- actually I believe that's booked. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's legit booked already. Um, and that makes sense. That that's the fight. And for John Jones, he doesn't have to wait. I mentioned, uh, you know, or I mean, he not that he doesn't have to wait. He God, I'm like terrible at uh, phrasing this. He should wait for the champion. He doesn't need to take a fight. That's what I mean. He he doesn't need to. To, to take another fight instead. He doesn't need an introductory uh, fight. He fought this year. He fought in February. Um, so, you know, if they if they make the, the Stipe and Ganu fight later on this year, and uh, I think there might be enough time to, to have Jones fight the winner in December, uh, possibly like January, February of next year. So that's uh, that's what I think. So... That does it for DM questions. Let's move now to the Twitter forum. All right, the first question is from my homie Joe Bloggs at JoeBloggs74. Go give him a follow. Bloggs is with two Gs. He says, do you think retired fighters who make a comeback should be made to fight unranked fighters and climb the ladder again? This is interesting. So for me, uh, it's it's relative. Um if uh, the retired fighter is a former champion, unless um, the time when they were a champion um, was like well before they retired initially, and then they make their comeback, um, they they shouldn't be given like an unranked opponent. You know that's a little weird, but I think it's also up to the fighters they're fighting, like. If uh, a ranked opponent is like on the cusp of a title shot, or uh, a ranked fighter is on the cusp of a, t- of a title shot, and they get offered a retired fighter, they can say no. They can say, "Hey, man, this does nothing for me. I'd rather fight the next guy up so that I can get this title shot." And they're well within their rights to do so, but that doesn't usually happen. Or if it does, we don't hear about it. So um, clearly, they they think. Uh, it adds value to them when they're when they're saying yes to these fights. The other thing is this: um, if if a, a a retired fighter comes back and they fight an unranked opponent, 
I mean, it has to be justified. You know, right? it has to kind of match up with skill. Um, I don't believe in retired fighters making comeback, you know, sliding in for an immediate title shot. That's fucking wacky. But um, as far as, you know, yeah. But this also, in my opinion, it goes for people coming off suspensions. Like TJ Dillashaw saying um, he's going to get an immediate title shot when he comes back. That's fucking whack, in my opinion. Like, make that bitch fight up again. Make that bitch fight John Dodson, who KO'd him stiff in the fucking Ultimate Fighter finale. Maybe not stiff, but you get what I'm saying. Make TJ Dillashaw fight John Dodson and then see if he can earn himself a fucking title shot again. Oh, I hate TJ Dillashaw. Speaking of hate, <laughs> this next question, and the, because they reference hate, not because I actually love them, go go follow G Spot MMA at G Spot MMA, um, the homie G. Um, she says, Why do people hate Usman so much on MMA Twitter? Here's the thing I don't always get excited for his fights, and sometimes he gets under my skin. However, you will never see me posting the goddamn ridiculous things that I see these fucking teenage trolls post. And that's what they are, G. Like, it's these fucking faceless teenagers that just got on this app because of quarantine who are fucking racist, probably. Uh, I mean, there definitely was this one guy who I saw people fucking highlighting um, definitely called Usman the N-word. And I didn't even watch the video. I just heard people saying that. And uh, I read his lips a little bit. I, I could tell. But like... Oh my God. And, and this is the thing also, like just because he's in a certain position doesn't mean we have to like him, but in my opinion, you have to respect him. The problem with Usman is, in my opinion, like my personal feeling towards him is that he talks like he's a, a world beater and he talks like he went on this like Tony Ferguson-esque run uh, and that he's already like he he says he's the greatest welterweight of all time. Basically, he says shit like that. Um, and part of that was because he fucking teched Tyron Woodley. Basically, he fifty forty five Tyron Woodley, uh, maybe even fifty forty four, depending. I'm I'm not sure what the official cards were, but I'm just sort of speaking generally here. Um, and Tyron was calling himself the greatest welterweight of all time. Um, Joe Rogan was sort of feeding into that as well. And uh, so it's it's part of like the media narrative. But um, leading up to that, like Kamaru was like. Like when when they signed to uh, when he signed to fight Emil Mech, um, originally he was trying to not fight him, and he was like, "Oh, uh, I I decided to give this dude an opportunity." I'm like, "Give him an opportunity? You're fucking like he was barely ranked at that point. He just said some things that fucking irked the shit out of me." And and in my opinion, he's like boring as fuck. Um, he said some of it, like the Colby fight, great. Um, the Tyron Woodley fight, even great. Um. But homie, you just won the belt and defended it twice. Um, don't act like you're GSP. That's just my personal thoughts on Usman. Now, um, he, he said some interviews where I, I think he said some very good things. And, and the way he um, talks about, um, like when he was saying he wanted to get the Colby win for America. I fucking love that because uh, Colby's a fucking piece of shit. And even if it's a gimmick, the gimmick is being a piece of shit. So there you go. Um yeah, I'm just I'm a hit or miss on Usman. Like the Masvidal fight, and it's like the unfortunate aspect about uh, MMA is like you're only as good as your last one, and uh, he laid an egg last time. He definitely laid an egg. Uh, so if he fights 
God, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, the, the Gilbert fight has to be next, right? They guess to fight Gilbert. Gilbert's going to make that an exciting fight. So um, I think regardless of the outcome, Usman's next fight is going to be exciting. So hopefully people will come around on, on that. It's such like... MMA is such a roller coaster, man. Like it, there's such bandwagon fans that jump on and off, and uh, I'm guilty of it myself. So I can't even say it's you know other fans. You know, I have my rider dies. I have like people that will fucking like. Like one of the things I love about Israel Adesanya is that he's winning and he's just like a fucking like his rise is like meteoric in my opinion. But even if he were to let's say go on like a six fight skid, I fucking I would be like banging the drum about like why isn't he ranked <laughs> i'm so i definitely think i'm becoming like the mma baller guy for izzy i definitely feel that way sometimes and that's okay that is okay because it's israel adesonia i've got something planned for y'all by the way um that's part of why i had to make sure to bring back the theme songs because i i have one for israel adesanya not only the week before the fight to preview the fight but i got one for fucking after the fight dude i got a fucking i i don't care i'm doing it anyway um i'll give you guys a hint the first one is a jason moraz song the second one for after the fight is a fucking cardi b song what do you think about that anyway uh, next question is from MMA Fury at Scotland for Fury. She says, "Does Neil Magny beat Robbie Lawler? Am I right in saying Cody is just? Mwah. I don't know where that came from, but anyways, gotta love, uh, gotta love Jules. Um, yeah, Cody Garbrandt. As much as I like to, I don't know. Sometimes, like, I was a big fan of Cody. Um, like his uh, story with Maddox made me just like tugged at the heartstrings." And uh, when he beat Dominic Cruz, I was, like, on top of the world. My wife's a big Cody fan. Um, the neck tats for me, like, it's, it's hard for me to, like, say positive things about someone with neck tats. Um, which is, I know, terrible of me. But I just look at him and I'm like, wow, you fucking tattooed your neck, dude? Um, that said, Cody's a dime piece. And I met him at two, uh, UFC 213. I, I stood in a while for fucking ever. I stood in line for fucking ever um, to get a picture with him. At the Fan Expo for Fight Week, and uh, he was there. He had just he was supposed to fight that week. He was supposed to fight T.J. Dillashaw, um, but he had to pull out because of a back injury. And uh, I remember being in that line when the news broke that Amanda Nunes um, couldn't fight Valentina Shevchenko because of her sinusitis was flaring up. Which I was like, I get it, but fuck, I was so disappointed. Leo, my my best friend Leo, still has not forgiven Amanda Nunes for that for this to this day. He was like, fuck that dude. But uh, Cody Garment, by the way. Um, taller in person than I thought. Um, I definitely was like, dude, you're like, you're a bantamweight, and uh, I'm six three, and at the time I was like three hundred pounds. This is like, I literally got this. Uh, I got the picture with him. I, I would have to check the calendar. Um, I got my cancer diagnosis, my first one, July twenty fifth of two thousand seventeen. UC 213 was like five weeks. So it was like July 9th, probably July, somewhere around there. So there's a couple weeks before that. I was fucking heavy as shit. And uh, I was next to Cody being like, damn, dude, like you're not that small that I thought. <laughs> so yeah, Cody's a fucking dime. Um, anyways, Neil Magny beating Robbie Lawler. Of course. I mean, not of course, but um, I don't know. Uh, I don't uh, like to, to make my pick for fights anymore because I, I feel like I'm losing out on, on so much uh, analysis that could take place 
by by not looking at both sides fairly. And when I look at this fight, I think about where Neil Magny succeeds. He's a guy with an 80-inch reach that uses it pretty well. Um, he also does very well in the clinch. Robbie does pretty good in the clinch, too. I mean, if Neil Magny ties up with Robbie Lawler, he might catch an overhand on the chin. Um, I mean, not an overhand, but like a short hook. Um, I was thinking like a like loop around. I don't know. Visualization. It's weird. Um, Neil Magny also has pretty decent jujitsu. And Robbie Lawler uh, has always been like defensive in grappling. Um, and Neil Magny's jiu-jitsu, as good as it is, and I'm not saying it's like world-class or anything. I mean, obviously he's a world-class fighter, but um, in terms of like other jiu-jitsu players in the UFC, it's just his is also more defensive as well. And I don't see him using it. So uh, that's good for Robbie. However, um, Robbie does not look the same in his, his past fights. So this matchup definitely favors him. Robbie's coming in on short notice as well. Uh, we have to uh, remember that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of giving away my my breakdown of it for the, for the last segment, but uh, um, if you want me to give an answer on this, I, w- I would have to pick Neil. Also, someone called her Sir as well. It's so funny to me. Guys, probably not even listening to the podcast. You Sir with a baboon avi um okay matai stevenson love this guy go give him a follow um and follow everybody i just sometimes i I don't always say it but everyone that uh sends in a question is all worthy of a follow in my opinion like for sure not just because they send in a question because they're cool as shit i just don't always say it because i'm uh, on a tent i'm on a roll but matai stevenson he says why did you jinx agapova do you hate me is that why and also are you fucking sorry bro he tweeted out um <laughs> he tweeted out i need agapova to win or something like that and i said don't worry she will <laughs> and as soon as she lost he went right to that fucking tweet and he was like <laughs> he was like why did you jinx it juice i'm sorry i'm sorry look look at my fucking timeline look at my one of my most popular tweets ever i said if henry cejudo beats marlon marais i will eat my own asshole and he beat him i had to eat my own asshole and there are people who still think i never did that and you know what there's someone listening right now who's seen the proof he fucking knows it so Miss me with that shit. Anyway, yeah, look at my whole history, dude. I'm my tweets aged the worst of anybody. But that John Jones Stipe one is aging pretty well, even though he is fighting him. It's not in the year that I said. And at that time, if you remember, this was right after he beat DC in the rematch, the second fight. And uh, everyone was like, "Oh, he should fight John Jones next." And I was like, "Oh, shut the fuck up, John's never going to heavyweight." Oh, so um, so yeah, I also. Um, I had a tweet that aged actually really well. Um, <laughs> um, I said, this is like back in June, and I said, um, Fabricio Verdum is going to submit Gus into a fifth retirement. <laughs> oh, I'm such a piece of shit. Uh, next question is from Joe Bloggs. He says, surprise, surprise, a lot saying it's going to be a shit card. And again, the shit card turns out to be a better one than a good card. Give it a rest, people, and enjoy fighting. That's not really a question, but I read it anyway because I love Joe Bloggs. And also, I agree with you, sir. And I said as much. But yeah, um, it sucks. Like, So I'm guilty of this too sometimes. Like, If a, if a fight card is kind of weak on paper, um, 
I actively have to remind myself, like, history, if past is prologue, like, history would remind us that these cards tend to deliver a lot. But uh, sometimes not, dude. Like, UFC San Antonio from last year um, that had, uh, I think it was headlined by Walt Harris versus Alexia Olenek, had uh, James Vick versus Dan Hooker, Roxy versus Maya, fucking Juan Adams versus Greg Hardy. Oh, that card was so bad. And then part of it was like the results of a lot of the fights. Like I was just so sad afterward. It, like probably the second most sad I've ever been after a UFC card. But sometimes it'd be like that, Joey Blogs. It's sometimes it'd be like that. I have this new meme that I uh keep using because I, I saw it on a, on one of Hectic's memes. He had taken a screenshot of the timeline and I had this tweet from somebody that I was like It'd be like that, though. <laughs> and so I just zoomed in and screenshot it. And sometimes I'll just drop it up like, it'd be like that, though. Um, this question is from Ashwin uh, at Omnishwin. The, uh, Ashwin from Fight Forecaster. Shout out to Fight Forecaster. I've been making my picks on that app. Like I said, Ashwin, you got to find a way for us to see each other's picks so that if people really care about my picks, they can go check it out. Um, another way for, well, I don't know if people would know, uh, but just, just in regards to that, I am still part of the fight pick championship, uh, with some buddies of mine at MMA marks. This is like a competition between other podcasters and streamers. They're big in the Twitch community. So it is mostly streamers. It is mostly people that are, uh, I have no idea who they fucking are or what they do, but, uh, they're killing it. Um, one of the ones I do know from the uh, couple, couple of the ones, Grampy Back, who's the homie, and Alpha, uh, the world-winning Federation guy. Fucking love those guys' content. And uh, they're on top right now. Grampy Back won last week, and he had a pretty good week this week, so he's still in the lead overall. Alpha's catching up. Alpha's number two, I believe. Number three, I want to say, is it's either Heirs of the Dog or it's Hairs of the Dog. It's spelled like Heirs. But it's obviously a play on words of hair of the dog. So I don't know if they how they pronounce it. Anyway, they're probably cool if, if they have marks fuck with them. I'm doing dog shit. I'm in last place, bro. I'm tied for last place. Um, or at least I was this week. Um, last week, uh, I was at number four overall out of like 14. So I was doing pretty fucking good last week. Uh, this week, I was 14. <laughs> it was tied for last place. But I'm, I think right now, tied with Ricky and that has to change because um, um, I can never be uh, below Ricky. I just can't. <laughs> this next question is from Natraj MMA, at MMA Natraj. He says, who do you see as the next number one contender at 185 if Izzy Costa match ends decisively and there's no rematch? First of all, I think regardless of the winner, I don't think there will be a rematch. Although, obviously, if for some reason Izzy slips on a banana peel... And walks into one of Costa's lumbering shots. I would like for him to get the rematch. Uh, I don't necessarily predict it. Um, but regardless, um, I do think I'm pretty sure Whitaker and Cannoneer has been signed. I think that's official. Um, they're they're fighting each other again. Obviously, they were matched up in it's supposed to be in London in March, but they're they're fighting again. And I believe that is a number one contender fight. I mean, I don't know that they've officially said that. The UFC hasn't done a lot of that lately, where they actually say like. This is a number one contender fight, but it's usually pretty clear, like rankings wise. Like for sure, if Cannonier wins that, like they have to give him the shot. If Rob wins, um, he should get the shot, but I don't know that he will because that division is so stacked. Like they might end up giving it to um, the winner of Hermanson Till. Um, 
which has also been signed. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot happening in that division right now. So uh, it's exciting again. For a while, 185 was not that exciting. Now it's exciting again. So yeah, if you if you ask me, it's the winner of um, Cannoneer Whitaker. Next question is from Harry Andrew at Harry Andrew ninety four. Um, he said, "Bet on all the underdogs tonight. Who's your favorite underdog winner in MMA? Also, is he going to knock the living La Vida Loca out of Costa? Has to be said until it happens next month. Fuck yeah! He also put the Dave Chappelle gif. I'm rich, bitch. Um, I love everything about that statement. Um, the gif, the fucking Ricky Martin reference. By the way, uh, if you listen to this on on Sunday." And uh, you have Snapchat, add me on Snapchat. I fucking killed one of Ricky Martin's songs in Spanish, Vuelve. It's uh, amazing, and I slayed that shit. Which is just to say, add me on Snapchat, and don't send me dick pics. Uh, Or do. I mean, if you want to show me your dick, I guess, that's fine. (laughs) Definitely don't, I'm just kidding. Uh, What the fuck? But... uh, Oh, I should probably say my Snapchat because some of y'all don't know it. Uh, it's the Juicer, and Juicer is spelled J-E-W. That was a different time in my life. We're not going to talk about it, but T H E J E W C E R. Add me on Snapchat, and don't be weird or do like I said. To answer your question, my favorite underdog winner in MMA: Roxanne Montefiore versus Macy Barber. There will never be a better underdog winner, bro. Never. I had messages. From people being like, you Google good slipped. I was getting tagged in tweets left and right. People were fucking, I unfollowed and blocked a ton of motherfuckers. That stupid Rampage fan bitch with the Leon Edwards uh, Avi. You fucking sent me a picture of Roxy getting rocked. I was like, you fucking motherfucker, you stupid, disrespectful piece of shit. That guy is such an asshole. Whenever there's a like a boring card, he'll be like, yeah, love this card. Stupid casuals. I just imagine he sounds like that. Something I'll probably cool with him. I should probably shut the fuck up, but that's my brand. Anyway, yeah, my cats didn't like that. Anyway, um, there there were people getting tagged. Meanwhile, I was like messaging Roxy about her camp. She was like, this is the best camp of my life. I was like, fuck, yeah. She's about to do work, bro. And look what happened. Fuck a Macy Barber fan. Fuck a Macy Barber fan in the ass, dude. I'm going to peg every single Macy Barber fan that comes my way. Fuck Macy Barber and fuck Brandon Allen, who white knighted Macy Barber on one of my posts. Anyway, this next question is from Eric Sama MMA. Go give him a follow. Eric Sama underscore MMA. He says, what are some tactics you've noticed fighters use to blind fans during a fight? Blind is in quotes. He says, for example, Munoz's heavy forward pressure had a lot of people declaring three to one in the fifth round, like going into the fifth, whereas I had it two to two with the combinations from Frankie uh, in the first two rounds. Gotta be honest with you, dude. Like that is always going to happen. Because here's the thing. Like people on Twitter think they know how to judge fights. And the fact of the matter is they don't. Because first of all, it matters whether or not the commission has adopted the new set of rules. Um, and when they were first announced, the Nevada Athletic Commission did not adopt the new set of rules. Um, and now I think they have. But I think the judging was part of that. The judging was they were supposed to be more liberal with the 10-8s. And we're supposed to have, depending upon the 3Ds, it was like dominance, duration, and damage. 
And um, not that that really comes into play here. There were no rounds I would call it 10-8. But yeah, you're always going to have people who just judge it by what they see and if who they perceive to be the winner. And a lot of that does have to do with forward pressure. And it's not just the fans. It's the judges, too. Remember, this was a split decision. You had one of those judges thinking it was Munoz. And again, like half the timeline, which... Fuck a Munoz fan, I gotta say. No, I'm just kidding. But um, well, fuck a Edgar Hader actually. Uh, I like Munoz a lot, but um, I obviously like Frankie more. And uh, but that had nothing to do with um, my scoring of the fight in terms of who I thought won. Uh, I think it was Frankie. It was very close, but I think it was still Frankie. And, and yeah, so I guess to, to answer the question, um, well. A lot of fighters, they kind of point fight. And it's not just to say like they they don't have like power in their punches or whatever. People take the sport aspect of it too much into like actually winning the fight. Like from a martial arts standpoint. Like they will... Well, first of all, the coaches help by definitely reacting to shots so that the judges like notice it. That's why you're like the, oh, yeah. Like that's to fucking convince the judges. The other thing is um, like going for a takedown at the end of a round. It sucks, but it's true with the judge's mindset. Like you have to win the end of the round. Like a round is five minutes. If you win two and a half minutes of it in the first and the other guy wins two and a half in the end, they're probably going to give the the guy who won the latter half of the round because it's fresh in your mind. And that's just what you just witnessed. Um, so yeah, um, I, I don't know how exactly how to answer this, but it's a, it's a good talking point. It definitely needs to be addressed. Next question is from the homie Tricky Ricksta at Tricky Ricksta. Ricksta is R-I-K-S-T-A. He says, is Frankie Edgar the real life Benjamin Button? And once he's a few years older, will he be small enough for 125? Thanks, K-Bye. <laughs> Dude. Uh, yeah, I, I will say he definitely turned back the clock with this performance. Um, too much was made of his chin. Um, like, type on my photo, address that a little bit in his question. Like, Frankie wasn't ever, had never been stopped until the Brian Ortega fight. Um, and and so he's really only been stopped twice, uh, as far as I can remember, the fucking... Uh, the Brian Ortega fight and the Korean zombie fight. He's an anomaly, dude. A month after that Brian Ortega fight, he fought Cub Swanson in Atlantic City. And I was there. I was like, I can't believe Frankie took this fight. This is terrible. Uh, what's going on? And I think at that time, Cub was on a bit of a streak as well, if I'm not mistaken. I was like, oh, this is not going to bode well. Frankie beat the brakes off of Cub Swanson. Not literally, but I feel like it was a 30-27. Uh, I, I was definitely at the end of it. I was like, Frankie won that fight for sure. And, uh, got him his title shot again. It was, he was supposed to get that and Brian Ortega kind of stole it. Uh, but I could never see, uh, a Frankie at 125. Although to be honest with you, like I said, he was the same size as Pedro and Pedro and Cody looked to be the same size for the most part. Maybe Cody a little bit smaller. Cody's now going to 125. I don't know. It's hard. 
it, it's a hard question to, to to answer but yeah he definitely doesn't age like i remember uh, an interview with uh henzo gracie who we now know is you know not the best person but um henzo was doing an interview with ariel hawani and he ariel uh frankie was training at henzo's back then i don't know if he still is um because a lot of the Mark Henry guys do like train to Henzo's as well, uh, like for their jujitsu, but um, mostly with uh, Ricardo Almeida, who is a student of Henzo Gracie. But um, Lorenzo, former owner of the UFC, um, the Lorenzo Fertitta, was asking Henzo, like I guess he watched a session where Frankie was just going hard, and he was like, "What do you think is like the longevity of someone's career, like going that hard?" all the time like he was going giving 100 percent, like in every training session and henzo was like oh not very long like five years and then frankie is still fighting and still going this hard like he is an anomaly and i think that could be part of it like um like dc and and randy couture like these wrestlers that just like they embrace the grind and just keep going and and are always in the gym i think that is part of it like consistency and and not taking a lot of breaks definitely helps the longevity of your career Next question is from Brat MMA. She says, and that that's the ad as well, Brat MMA. Go follow her. She says, what are your thoughts on the judging criterias and would you like to change them? For example, are takedowns given too much credit or should things like octagon control not matter? Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, as far as that goes, I'm a big fan of pride judging. Um, I think the 10-point must system that we currently have is not uh good for mma it's a boxing model it works for boxing and it didn't cross over obviously they adjusted the criteria to add elements of mma in but it's not something what i would consider a, a good system because it allows for like close fights all the time to to be given you know to to the wrong person it also in my opinion like say Someone wins three rounds of a fight. But in the two rounds that they lost, they lost by a wider margin. Not necessarily a 10-8, but they got outstruck more, more than they outstruck their opponent in the other three. That is given to the person who landed uh, maybe less overall strikes because they won three rounds. Like it becomes a points game. It becomes a numbers game. It becomes about winning rounds rather than winning the fight. I think they should judge a as a whole number one i think we should add more judges three people is not enough to determine like if just one judge um thinks the other person won it's a, it's a split decision whereas if you had four and you have um that one judge maybe it would probably be considered a majority decision if if i'm correct in in that um which would be better and it definitely allows for less it would allow for less error what we have now allows for too much error. And again, striking, grappling, aggression, octagon control in that order. Octagon control is meant to be like a deciding factor if all else is equal. But some judges and most fans value octagon control like too high, especially we have a ton of MMA fans who are also boxing fans. And ring generalship is 
I think a, f- a fair part of the 10 point system for, for their judging. Uh, Rhino and I were going back and forth on this yesterday. I'm not a big boxing fan, so um, I don't uh, like to talk about it too much. But I do know the ring generalship factors in because I have a friend who likes MMA sometimes but is a big boxing fan and uh, tells me he pretty much hates MMA. Um, and he, he talks about ring generalship being a factor in a lot of fights. It's not something that it was ever like part of MMA. It should have been, you know, I don't know. I'm just not big on octagon control. So, yeah, I, I think, honestly, and I've said this before, I think it could uh, be a controversial take. The UFC was experimenting at one point with, like, technology in the fighter's gloves. Um, I think they were supposed to have it in the Gaethje uh, Poirier fight. I don't know if we ever got data from that. But uh, it was supposed to be able to measure, like, the not only, like, the accuracy of what strikes landed because the, the copy box and the fight metric numbers are, aren't always accurate. But um, they were supposed to measure that, but also, like, the force of it and certain things like that. Um, they should experience, experiment more with that. And I feel like the judges um, should have access to that data. Because if they have access to that data round by round in the 10 point must system, they're just going to go by the data rather than what they saw. So that's not like the best thing. But if they have that data at the end of a fight and they're only judging at the end, they can sort of take it all on board and say, well, the fucking, the guy did more damage. I don't know. I just, we need to experiment more. We need to experiment with open scoring. I mean, obviously that's only for like a 10 point must system, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess even if you had pride judging, you could do open scoring and the judges would just be able to change their mind. Like they were like, oh, now he's up. Kind of like how they watch like a poll, how they watch the numbers. Like, oh, now this person's leading. Now this person's leading. They could kind of change their uh, pick or whatever. They could change their answer mid-fight. I don't know. It'd be interesting. We need to experiment more. MMA is not that old. You know, it's not like we have a storied tradition of like, this is all the way it's always been done. And if it's not broke, don't, don't fix it. It is broke. Let's fix it. Next question is from uh, Pad Parpy 69 fucking Seth with his fucking name. At MMA Catfish is obviously the handle. You heard him earlier. He said, how badly does it reflect on all the people Edgar beat at 155, considering he can make 135 and still look good and be durable against someone with power? Hashtag juice head. Hashtag need to drink some juice. By the way, speaking of juice, I talked about this uh, earlier. Uh, obviously, drunk juice was out in full force last night. I, I had some peanut butter whiskey. Shout out to Sheepdog Whiskey. They should definitely sponsor me. Um, peanut butter whiskey is legit. Obviously, it's not legit, but it's fucking delicious. And I was thinking about making like a little mixed drink with it. And I was like, you know what? I need to have like a fruity drink to have like a PB&J vibe. And I went with apple juice, mostly because that was what was available that I thought would taste good. And uh, it was fucking delicious. I ended up having some Fireball left over. I know I think Fireball tastes like ass. But I was like, you know what? That would be like an apple cinnamon vibe. That was fucking good too. So I'm plugging apple juice as well. So to answer your question, yeah, honestly, it does make them look bad. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to call anyone specifically. Um... I also don't want to be like shame anyone for losing to a smaller guy, but like it just kind of, in my opinion, proves the fucking weight cutting culture. Like RDA having success at 170, now going back to fight Islam Makhachev blows my fucking mind, dude. I mean, I would say he's a guy that could benefit heavily from a 165 pound division, but I just don't get it. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes the forum. Just going to do a quick refresh just to make sure uh, no one sent in last-minute questions. Okay, no, we're good. That is it for the forum. Again, you can send in a question at any time via DM on Twitter. Email me at fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com or download Anchor and search Fighting With Myself. Send me a voice message. Don't be a bitch. Just kidding. Um, Anyone that has never sent a voice message, you're not a bitch. I just like to shame people for not listening. So that's uh, that's not directed at anyone listening. That's to the bitches, which is not you if you're listening. All right, all right, all right. So hyped for this next card, UFC on Vegas 52. Just kidding. I think it's UFC Vegas 8. Um, anyway, it's it's fight night. Smith versus Rakic. Um, Anthony Smith is taking on Alexander Rakic. Super pumped for that matchup, but we'll get to that in just a second. There's actually a ton of fights I want to highlight from this card. Um, the prelims are pretty fucking stacked, too. So let's talk about some of those. Opening up the card is Sean Brady versus Christian Aguilera. Uh, Sean Brady, uh, I love for his uh, enormous fucking back tattoo. And I remember calling him out on it for me saying it was terrible. And Shane Tara sent me like, five voice messages and angry tweets in a row being like i don't even know if i can trust you because you said sean brady doesn't have good tattoos and i am the expert on tattoos and i say sean brady has amazing tattoos and i train with him he's really cool he follows me on instagram and i was so uh i was laughing so hard i was like okay it's a good tattoo fine he just was like glaring at me and i thought it was like so uh like just enormously in your face when you're looking at this guy. But he fights fucking aggressive as shit, and I love his style. So I can't wait. Um, we also have Pollyanna Viana versus Emily Widmeyer. Now, Pollyanna Viana, I will always remember for that story that came out where she um, beat the fuck out of that guy who was trying to rob her. Um, she's on a bit of a skid. Uh, she's lost to J.J. Aldrich, uh, Hannah Cyphers. And Veronica Macedo, that uh, was unfortunate. But I'm looking to, to to see her return. It's been over a year since she fought. That uh, Veronica Macedo f- fight was in uh, August 10th, 2019. It was at uh, UFC Montevideo in Uruguay against um, where the headliner was Shevchenko versus Carmouche 2. So yeah, super looking forward to her fight, but... Um, her fight against um, Emily Whitmire is interesting to me. I will always remember uh, um, Emily Whitmire for um, giving us some good fights in tough, um, in, in the tough house when uh, the the flyweight season. But then she went, got into the UFC, went back to strawweight. And um, her fight with Jamie Moyle was epic. So she had a, a great back and forth fight with Jamie Moyle. Jamie uh, was training at extreme couture or there, there's some there was some drama with it like um jamie was training at either syndicate or uh extreme couture i can't remember i think emily emily Whitmar was at extreme couture um and jamie jamie moyle was at syndicate maybe um Vinny used to be the jiu-jitsu coach at extreme couture then went to syndicate and started helping out Jamie and Emily was like, Hey, that's fucked up. You know, my game because you were training me in jujitsu and now you're going to go help her beat me. And so, uh, he was asked to not corner Jamie 
and then he did and or he said he wasn't going to and then like fight week he was already there and he messaged her like he was like look uh i'm gonna do it uh i have to do this like whatever and so she like passed him a couple times and glared at him and then she wins the fight gets on the mic and is like she already like was like getting in his face like before because like the losing t- camp like exits the cage she was like trying to get in his face then gets on the mic and goes fuck you Vinny Magalhães <laughs> and then I remember Renato Laranja had this like perfect meme uh, where he was like because Renato Laranja <laughs> that's a character play uh, that this guy does I think his name is Rasan Orange or something like that but um. Hinata Laranja um, and Vinny Magalhães have this like beef, and I'm pretty sure it's comedic, but they both get really fucking into it. And once she did that, he made a meme of saying like, "The perfect woman doesn't exist," <laughs> and then it's a clip of her saying, "Fuck you, Vinny Magalhães." But either way, I think these ladies are gonna um, to make an exciting fight, and so I'm I'm super pumped for that. Uh, moving on, we have. Saperbeck Safarov taking on Julian Marquez. Now, I fucking love Julian Marquez. He's hilarious. He fights uh, amazingly. He fights to, to finish without fading necessarily. Like some of the fight to finish and just gas. But like he always is like putting on a show. Love this guy. Uh, he also has like interesting call outs where he'll, he'll not, he won't call out someone to fight. He always like. Like, I think in his UFC debut, he was like, Tyron Woodley, you're the champ of the world, but I think I have a better beard than you. Uh, something like that. He was like, I'm calling you out for a fucking, who's got the better beard? It was like funny. And he, he said he wants to do like stuff like that, like dance battles. I'm all about that because some of his call outs are fucking weak, but also necessary and not enough people do them anyway. So fucking A, looking forward to this fight. I hope Julian smashes Saperbeck. No disrespect. Um... So then we have Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres taking on Giga Chikadze. And this is a tough fight. Alex Caceres looked really good against Chase Hooper. And uh, I always love watching Bruce Leroy fight, man. Giga Chikadze uh, is a phenomenal kickboxer and has looked good in the UFC thus far. So this this should be uh, an interesting fight. I hope, um, I hope Alex uh, fucking... Does work, but I'm not even confident in saying that he will because sometimes the best Alex Caceres doesn't show up. And that's such a cliche, but like, I don't know. It is what it is. Um, the next fight I want to talk about is Mallory Martin versus Hannah Cyphers. Um, I, I talked earlier how much I love Hannah Cyphers, or I, I may not have, uh, but I fucking love Hannah Cyphers. Um, She's uh, super, like, on social media, she's, like, super, like, wholesome and stuff. Like, she, I think, lives on a farm with her family or something like that. So, so cute. And then whenever she gets the mic, she's always super nervous. I stand so hard. She's so, like, you know, like, we must protect her at all costs. Um, We must protect her at all costs. And she's fighting Mallory Martin, who's a beast. Mallory Martin... First came onto my radar. I watched her fight in Invicta. Um, and I was against Tiffany Masters. And she beat the brakes off Tiffany Masters. 
Um, and she said that she was like visualizing the finish, her whole camp. And she was talking to her in the fish. She was like a little Khabib in there. She was like, no one can save you. Just give up. Your family can't save you. Like she was just yelling at Tiffany Masters. And I was like, God damn, Mallory Martin. You're a fucking savage. And I love it. Um, she just lost to um, Virna Janjiroba in her last fight. But I'm uh, I'm hoping she bounces uh, back in a big way, which is to say that I'm I'm just excited for this fight in general because also obviously I love Hannah Cyphers, so I just hope that they put on a, a, a great show. Fuck Hannah Cyphers is on a skid, and that makes me really sad. Um, but they're both coming off a loss. This is a this is a must win situation for for both of them. And now we got Maki Patolo versus Impa Kasangane, and uh, I. Pretty sure Impa is making their uh, UFC debut. Not quite sure what to to make of that. And despite me dragging Maki Patolo for having the worst nickname in the UFC and all of you loving it for some reason, even though it's clearly not someone that person should be called, it's something that uh, technique should be called. Anyway, um, I super love Maki Patolo's fights. So I, I know he's going to bring it no matter what. Fucking excited as fuck this is a welterweight apparently uh mikey patel debuted at welterweight i thought he was a welterweight apparently he's a middleweight had uh good fights in middleweight just lost to to darren stewart now he's moving back down so we'll see i don't know if this is like an opportunistic matchup for him um or if it's him wanting to return to welterweight i honestly don't know but moving on, that, that, those are the prelims. And then moving on to the main card, Magomed Ankalaev versus Ion Kutilaba is uh, taking place for the fifth time. No, for real, they, they, they fought back in, I think, Virginia. And Kevin McDonald stopped the fight. It was one of the weirdest stoppages. It wasn't even necessarily a bad stoppage. Because if you listen to that episode, uh, it is entitled... Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And that's what the fuck he did, dude. Ian Kutlaba was pretending to be rocked. So if you pretend to be rocked, uh, you're going to get fucking stopped as if you are. That said, even if he was, he recovered. And I think it was just a bad kind of timing on the stoppage from the ref. So either way, it was a little weird situation. And they are intent on running it back. For some reason, no matter how many times this has fallen through, this has become like the Tony and Khabib that no one wants, dude. Like, they're intent on running this one back. They're like, no, no matter how many times, no matter how many times pull out, no matter how many times it gets scrapped because of COVID, no matter how many times it gets put on cards that fall through because of a pandemic, we're going to fucking have this fight come hell or high water. And I think it's making them both so mad. Like, Magomed probably doesn't want to take the fight in the first place. That bitch-ass Kutalaba came in his face right before the fight started, and he got double underhooks against him and pushed him up against a cage. Dude. And then he beat the fuck out of him for 57 seconds, or however long it was. And then, now he has to fight him again, and he keeps having to miss out on that because of COVID tests and other bullshit. He's probably so... He's going to murder him. Dude. Someone is in a going in a body bag at the end of this fight as well. <laughs> I'm so disrespectful. Um, so on the UFC's website, they do not have this fight, but on um another website I'm looking at, it has it as Ricardo Lamas versus TBA. So because it's not on the UFC's website and the UFC is slow at updating, but they don't have it, 
For me, it means there's no hope. I don't think Ricardo Lamas is going to fight. He was supposed to fight Ryan Hall. Obviously, Ryan Hall got injured. Uh, I'm super bummed because I love Ryan Hall. I really do. And I like Ricardo Lamas as well, but obviously Ryan Hall a little bit more. And uh, we're not going to see this fight right now. This is another one that has been rescheduled several times. Like For fuck's sake, uh, let's get these boys in the cage. And it's looking like they're maybe trying to find a replacement. But like I said, I don't, I don't think they are. Um, so I guess the jury's still out on that. So either look forward to nothing in that regard or Ricardo Lamas versus a warm body that they can find. So either way, that'll be exciting. We also have Alexa Grasso versus Ji Young Kim. Alexa Grasso is making her flyweight debut. Respect to her because if you remember, um, she last fought uh, or was scheduled to fight, rather, um, Claudia Gadelia. That didn't end up going through because she missed weight. And they, I think it was the commission that said, like, Either she was unfit or she was too many. I think I think there's like a certain percentage and she was over that as far as like the amount that they will let people fight in the cage. Like she missed weight badly. And so um, she's missed weight before as well. Um, she missed weight against Brenda Marcos. So credit to her for recognizing that she needs to move up and uh, actually doing it. So she's taking on Jai Young Kim. Um, Jai um, famously, well not famously, but... Um, Infamously, I guess, maybe lost to um, Antonina Shevchenko in her UFC debut. No, it wasn't her UFC debut. Um, she had a few UFC fights. I'm sorry, I'm wildin'. Um, But that was two fights ago. But for me, what I mostly remember her from is fighting Nadia Kassam, uh and Nadia going for the fake glove touch and then getting murked. You love to see it. Um, so super excited for Ji Young Kim. Looking at her record, she's missed weight a fucking several times as well. So I goddamn hope they both make weight for this fight because otherwise that would be super upsetting. And then we have the co-main event, Robbie Lawler versus Neil Magny. Now I talked about this at length because of uh, Scotland for Fury uh, question, her question, but... Let's talk a bit about, about a bit more about it. Neil Magny was, I think, supposed to fight Jeff Neal, and we uh, now know that Jeff Neal is septic, uh, or he is uh, suffering from sepsis. I think they're different things. I, I keep hearing people say septic, and so I keep saying that, but I think he's suffering from sepsis, which is something that happens when... Um, uh, like, it can happen, I, I know, when your like, appendix bursts. Like, if people have their appendix taken out because of appendicitis... Um, if you don't catch it in time and your appendix bursts, uh, that causes sepsis. So there's many different things. He had a lot of symptoms like of what, um, like he had renal failure. Uh, he was on dialysis. Um, so that sometimes happens with, uh, with Corona when it's in its bad stages. So some people thought it might've been that. Um, but I, I think at the moment it's, it's just the, the sepsis. So I really hope he pulls through. God bless Jeff Neal. Um, he's a fucking true warrior. I know he'll come out on top of this. God, gotta love Jeff Neal. If you don't like Jeff Neal, take a fucking hike, dude. Put on a vest with pockets and take a fucking hike. Ponte un chaleco con bolsillos y haz una caminata. Okay? <laughs> uh, Robbie Lawler 
stepped in on short notice, which is so fucking gangster of him. I thought Robbie in the latter part of his career hadn't done much of that because he's a former champion. Like, he doesn't need to be just fighting anybody. But I think he just wants to win so badly. This actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe he's doing what I said a lot of fighters do, which is romanticizing the idea of going out on a win. And maybe he's hoping he can beat No Magni and ride off into the sunset. I hope that's the case, actually. Um, yeah, I don't know. Whenever Robbie loses, it just makes me sad. Um, and uh, But that said, I really like Neil Magny as well. So I think this is going to be a banger of a fight. And they both have strengths in similar areas. See, Robbie hits harder. But uh, Neil, Neil's pace and pressure can be a problem. Uh, Robbie didn't deal with the pressure of Colby very well, although it was also wrestling, which Neil's not necessarily going to do. Um, he definitely likes to like use the cage and, and push people against it. If you go back and watch the um, Neil Magny versus Hector Lombard fight, man, Neil Magny fucking beat the shit out of Hector Lombard, huh? He had his, he had, I think they call it back mount, where he's just like on the back wailing on dude. That was one of the worst stoppages in UFC history. There was like twice in like two different rounds. It was kind of similar to like the fucking Glover Teixeira, Anthony Smith, where there was like a minute of just like unanswered shots and like me going screaming at the ref, like fucking stop the fight, dude. And so I like to think about that whenever people say like, no, Magnum doesn't have exciting fights. I'm like, uh, excuse me. Look at what he did to Hector Lombard. And there've been a few of those. So looking forward to this fight, man. And let's talk about the main event. So I talked about Anthony Smith a little bit earlier. Uh, obviously, in a reference, he had not the best performance against Glover Teixeira. But there's a lot of factors involved in that. I talked touched on that in my podcast after that fight. So go back and check that out if you're interested to hear my thoughts, which some of you are. <laughs> I like Anthony Smith a lot, dude. There's no hiding my bias here. Uh, Lionheart is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. His story, uh, his candor, the way he fights. Um, the fact that, I don't know if it's still the case, but when he lost to Thiago Santos, he put out a tweet with a picture of himself um, and he said, like, on to the next one or something like that. And he kept that as his pinned tweet, showing his beat-up face after a brutal KO loss to remind himself, like, how do you not fucking love that guy? Also, the best, uh, one of the best moments in any UFC press conference ever, and I will die on this hill, Better than any bullshit Connie has ever said, which, to be fair, is funny to me sometimes, but better than any fucking thing that uh, any of the Diaz brothers have ever said is Anthony Smith getting asked about Luke Rockhold disparaging his performance against John Jones, being like, fuck Luke Rockhold. I'm fighting Luke Rockhold next time I see Luke Rockhold. I'm punching that motherfucker in the... Ch I'm punching a hole in his chest. I'll punch him in the fucking parking lot. I was like, yes, Anthony Smith, go off on that fucking underwear model piece of shit. Yeah, Anthony Smith. So, to be honest with you, I like Alexander Rakic a lot, but not as much as I like Anthony Smith, dude. As far as I'm concerned, he can catch that Luke Rockhold heat. I want Anthony Smith to beat the shit out of Alexander Rakic and be like, hey, I hear Luke Rockhold's coming back. Let me fucking break that jaw again, motherfucker. And I guess I should end the show on that note. I don't have much of an analysis for you uh, as far as that goes. Alexander Rakic, underrated as fuck. He's super technical and, and hits hard. That KO of Jimmy Manoa will always uh, sit with me as one of the 
worst KOs in uh, history. And he was a he was on a huge win streak before that. He was on, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's right, the twelve fucking fight win streak when he KO'd Jimmy Manoa. That was the 12th. And then he lost to Vulcan in a super controversial split decision. Now, I got to be honest with you. When I watched that fight, I did not know how to score it. I was like, there's sometimes when I go, oh, that was close, but I got it for Vulcan. Or that was close, but I got it for Wreckage. I literally was like, no idea. And when they got the, gave it down to Vulcan, I was like, okay. Everyone in the timeline was pissed, dude. Everyone was like, Wreckage got robbed. And I was like, that's fine because you're not a judge. Um, and so I got to feel like if that had gone his way, he'd be on like a legendary fucking win streak right now and writing like super confidence, but he's probably motivated as fuck to put a beating on Anthony Smith. I'm super worried that Anthony Smith has taken this fight so close after the Glover fight, but I know he trusts his, his team and his skills to, to not take any fights that are like bad for him, I guess. And so you gotta, gotta respect that. Super sad, but I guess I'll, I'll uh, reserve those those feelings of anxiety for the for the actual fight because until then, uh, it's not anything that's uh, in my control, and even then, it's it's not anything that I can control. It's just one of those things. Uh, I haven't started therapy yet, so I don't know how to deal with those situations. I'm being super uh, vulnerable because you guys get the real me. Uh, anyone that just follows me on Twitter but doesn't listen to the podcast doesn't get the real me. They just get some drunk asshole that tweets on fight nights. So you guys know the real shit, and it's me. That being said, uh, you can listen to my show on all the platforms except for YouTube because I'm not a fucking influencer. And it's you can't listen on SoundCloud because I'm not an up-and-coming rapper. Although, if you hear my, my cover of WAP, when uh, Izzy waxes that fucking Paulo Costa ass, you might think I'm an up-and-coming rapper. Here's a little fucking preview. No, I shouldn't give it the preview. I shouldn't give it the preview. But uh, um, anyway, I'll just say uh, WAP is not gonna, in my cover is not going to stand for um, what ass pussy is going to stand for. Whack-ass Paulo. And that is where we're going to end the show. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Um, that account's days are numbered, I think. Uh, I really hate the fact that I have so many followers um, that are like teenagers and faceless accounts that don't listen to the podcast. Fuck them. You guys are the real shit. If I delete that account, you'll know what the real one is because I'll tell it on this podcast before I make it. So that's just something I'm toying with because uh, I really hate Twitter lately, um, even on the on my personal account. Um, which uh, some of you don't follow, and that's fine, because I post a lot of dumb shit on that one, too. Um, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening. That helps the show a lot. It really does. And uh, most of you listen, or like half of you listen on Apple Podcasts, so you're already there. Leave a review, you know? Show Daddy some love. And uh, fuck anyone who didn't get this far. Uh, I love you if you did get this far. I assume that's most of you. And with that, good night and good fights.